Hello, campers, and welcome to the Camp of Cult. Tonight with us, as always, is going to be... Tyler. And... Shane. Shane. All right. So tonight we're going to be going over John Carpenter's 1982 remake and faithful adaptation, The Thing. The This film is going to be based off of John W. Campbell's novella, Who Goes There?, which is about a group of people that are trapped in an Antarctic outpost, research outpost, um, only to find, or what, what terror, what terror, what terror lies beneath the ice? Well, tonight we're going to be discussing that. Spoilers ahead. All right, and let's get into it. I just had to do that. <laughs> this movie's fucking horrifying. Oh my god! Oh, nightmare absolutely. fuel. Nightmare fuel to the extreme. Yeah. The uh, I I I one of the most horrifying moments actually of this movie is uh, that when they discuss how they actually make the sounds and things like that. And there's one moment where we see a character when like sort of power goes out and a shadow figure crosses, and there's just a sound that occurs, and it's pure horrifying. They can't even describe, like, the sound. Is it the it's scream? Just, no, not even the scream. It's just, you just hear, like, this noise, and it's very quick, but all, like, for that split second, there's, like, a chill just, like, shoots up your spine. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is how you do cosmic horror, in my opinion. This is the, and this movie has, there's a reason this movie has been so heavily referenced in pop culture, in popular culture as a whole, uh, you have cartoons, you have TV shows, other movies. This spans the the gamut of it because it is such a powerhouse in generating abject fear. And it makes me really happy that he was staying true to the subject material because mm-hmm. this is technically a remake of the 1957 version? 51, I think. 51? Early 50s. Early 50s version of um, the thing from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. And... John was really like John watched that whenever he was younger growing up and it really, you know, kind of spooked him. And then Mm -hmm. whenever he got older, he read the actual story Um, who goes there and who goes there was written in 1938. So it was way ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I like about science fiction and how it kind of took off in like the the 70s and like the 80s. A lot of these science fiction stories were written in like the 30s, 40s and 50s, but that never got any kind of screen time because the world just wasn't ready for that level of, uh, of horror. And so, um, my, I'm just, I'm just a diehard Carpenter fan. And oh, yeah, this no. film is yeah. like quintessential Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have some notes, uh, written about what makes this. So every Carpenter film has elements of anti-authoritarianism, mm-hmm. political corruption, cynicism, and dark humor. He loves long takes. My man loves long takes. Uh, narrow spaces, uh, themes of claustrophobia, things of paranoia, infectious evil is also very quintessential in his films. And ev- all, if anything, every one of his uh, heroes or protagonists is blue collar. And so this, like, the thing checks off. And what makes it even better is that Carpenter was a huge fan of Westerns mm-hmm. and Western tropes. And so you can actually look at the thing and even though it is sci-fi and it is cosmic horror, it does have, you know, like, kind of like, you know, Kurt Russell is like our cowboy. Yeah, it definitely has that. Uh, if you look into sort of uh, like the dichotomy of Westerns in that you have 
sort of standardly the hero is someone who comes like outside of like from society and comes in to help society. This movie sort of has that, but it's almost the aspect of this society that has been established that we consider the society of the research post, the research outpost. The the agent that disrupts them comes from the outside into it. But then near the end we have Kurt Russell, who is our protagonist, McCready. He then comes back from the outside. Literally wearing a dumb shit cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sombrero. So there's actually a fun like little if you look at everybody, um, they all have like their own like little thing, like the cook, um, mm-hmm. which I believe is not is that Nalls? Or I'm sorry, not Nalls. Uh Nalls. Nalls. Yeah, Nalls. Yeah. Um he's got his roller skates. Mm-hmm. The uh the main I think it was either the the doctor or the uh the biologist. I think it was the doctor who had um, the nose ring. Mm-hmm. And then you have, of course, Kurt Russell. He was also like wearing the cowboy hat and sporting some really nice guy liner. Um, <laughs> leather jacket. Leather jacket. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah. another thing that Carpenter loves to let his actors do is bring like a sense of individuality to mm-hmm. their character, something that kind of makes them stand out a little bit from the rest, just like in a subtle way, almost like a, a flair. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Whenever I was like scrolling through uh, Reddit trying to figure out like why does this old man this like <laughs> and like some research base has have like a huge gold hoop mm-hmm. and it's like oh well he just you know that was his own personal choice for mm-hmm. the character. Um, cool. Yeah. So that was like a fun like little thing. That's also like a Barry Carpenter esque. Oh yeah. No, I think it's also even before like getting into the plot of this film, I think it's important to talk about how. And when I said this was a film that perfectly personifies the idea of cosmic horror that sort of is based around just the unknowable is terrifying. And that horror itself is truly based on, like, disempowerment. And this film does it both ways where we have our... You can do it through isolation and through just actual, like, non-offensive ability. Like, these people are in a research base where, in, in, in Antarctica, where if they don't have, if they don't have the power, the energy from the generator, they will freeze to death. Mm-hmm. Very, very contained. If they don't, and also, we get the reveal of this this entity, this alien entity, which is really just, it's a supercell. Mm-hmm. It's simply a uh, cellular organism that assimilates and replicates I mean, other it's, creatures. It's a cancer. Yeah. I think it's more appropriately a like it's like a almost like a, a virus. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a living virus where its entire its entire entity and like will is just to propagate and to like I said assimilate. But yeah, and there's no real defense against that except for as we learn fire. Which is very, very well done with the flamethrowers in this film. Uh, that that's our uh, that's like our weapon of choice. Oh which yeah, I love like I love it. They're like just get the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's. I want to go ahead and get started with the opening sequence because it is so beautifully shot. Oh yeah, like the aerial of like the um, the Norwegian 
the nor yeah the Norwegian which yeah is Norwegian going, helicopter um, just like shooting uh, at the dog and you have this beautiful uh, Mal Malamute just yeah. like running through like the tundra and just like the land like that really kind of sets up the scene and then you have like the over art like the the score just like the very which is which i find very interesting because it's very much a carpenter score but he mm -hmm. did not write it yeah um carpenter is very much known for his like synth and his uh, piano like kind of like mm -hmm. simple um like little um just simple like I, I wouldn't even call it like a rhythm or a beat it's just very like monotone yeah. and sinister and it kind of cuts you at your core and the fact that the person who did the score is known for doing western scores mm -hmm. is just like kind of like marries the, most the two famous uh, it's ernio or erno uh, uh Ennio, yes. uh starts with an m spaghetti western yeah yeah man with no name at all those mm -hmm. and, I, ha um, I have uh his uh, I have a record of the, uh, the Fistful of Dollar like trilogy of mm -hmm. movies of his like soundtrack for those. It's incredible. You put it on the background while you're doing anything, you feel like a hero. Oh, I mm -hmm. definitely would love to cover Spaghetti Westerns if, mm -hmm. in, into spring. That would be a lot of fun. Can I say something? Yeah. That Norwegian can't hit shit. He had a fucking banana clip he, on that thing. He went to this, yeah, he had some stormtrooper training right yeah. there. He could not fucking hit anything. I've seen videos of guys in helicopters with AR-15s take out like 30 hogs from yeah. the air. Also, this guy uh, couldn't hit one dog. Strafe, don't be fucking flying through the air while doing it. Mm -hmm. But again, that's there's a lot of like You movie can also roles. fly ahead of the dog and then hover. Yeah, that's the thing. It's strafing it, but like, there's there's one of these moments where, it, out of all this movie, that is really the only like kind of like trope they utilize to sort of like figure out a way around something. Everything else is so almost like realistic in its way that it it, it makes it even more terrifying. I mean, I'm sure Norwegians realistically can't hit anything. They walk backwards. <sighs> <laughs> Disrespect to my people. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but I think the, the the best thing about the opening sequence is it's so out of context. Well, it's out of context away. We the actual opening sequence is the spaceship crashing, mm -hmm. yeah, onto Earth, which is a callback to the uh, uh, the first film, which is really cool, and I didn't mm -hmm. expect. Yeah, and then we have that, which then which gives you a little bit of the context. Of the next scene where we see the helicopter and the dog, the mm -hmm. helicopter chasing the dog and firing at it, where you know something is wrong, but you don't know what. Yeah. And then slowly we get those reveals. Honestly, I thought that whole sequence was meant to show that, like, survival is so dire out here. Like, I thought, oh, that dog ate some of their food or something. Like, mm -hmm. so they're going to kill it. Like, I... The also, movie yeah. took me by complete surprise because mm -hmm. I thought it was going to and like with, spend with more the time developing that it's the in, like that it's in an area or set in a space that's pretty much considered uninhabitable. No, it's it's very and so the fact yeah. yeah and so like the fact that you have like a dog, you have like two beings that are not mm -hmm. normally supposed to be there, and one is trying to kill the other. You mm -hmm. have this sense of oh, like yeah, like some some shit's about to go down, and. Um, well, when we finally get that the the dog ends up kind of going on to the to the American it, base. Yeah, it finds the American research facility. Mm -hmm. And um, the Nord he he screws up he screws up by <laughs> trying to trying to throw the uh, a thermite grenade. Yeah, yeah, the thermite grenade, and ends up going off and blowing fumbles up his, that shit. Yeah, fumbles it, 
Yeah, which then it sets off the helicopter, which then is we... It's full of more thermite grenades. Yeah, it's, it's full of kerosene, which mm-hmm. then we give a... Uh, we get, Which the carriers talk about, they're like, why this Were they loaded with flying kerosene? with like five yeah. gallons of like And then, kerosene. which is another... This movie is so good at foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. This, foresh- this movie foreshadows everything, but in a way that you don't realize it until afterwards, until the very end of the movie. And then you go, oh, fuck, literally everything about this movie was in, in the first like 15 minutes yeah we learn the weakness of the alien we learn what I mean, our the pr- whole plot is technically spoiled by the norwegian it's just he says it completely yeah. in uh you know in, in norwegian he doesn't yeah. speak english and, and he says nobody can translate yeah and your girl might have taken some lessons over the summer uh <laughs> over quarantine and uh, i immediately recognized that um he says, uh, yeah, he goes, uh, let's see, I have it written down. Ha-ha. Um, he basically says, like, you know, like, that's not a dog. Yeah. Like, he says, I remember picking up on the words ting and, and slog, and um, mm-hmm. I can't pronounce it, but I know the word dog for Norwegian. Yeah, you know, it's region. dog and, so, and that thing, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, um, you know, it's not a dog. It's only pretending to be a dog. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's some else, kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And so... He, it kind of like spoils the plot right then and there. But if of you course, speak Norwegian, if you speak Norwegian, yeah. it's like ruined. You know, which we don't have, which is interesting because a lot of movies, even when you don't really need it, they will give you the subtitles of it. Yeah, and they don't, mm-hmm. which is important because we this movie again for something so almost outlandish. Outlandish. You're in the perspective of the Americans who aren't going to have subtitles in yeah, real life. Exactly. So, Everything is so based around it. Which is another thing I love about this movie is that everyone here is so valuable. They make constant mistakes throughout mm-hmm. this entire movie that mm-hmm. that really does fuck them over and ends up with pretty much all of them dying. Yeah. But again, this is a pressure ridden situation. Yeah. They it's it is so just true to the moment of even we have these like badass characters who are very quick to action. Mm-hmm. They actually do make up plans very quickly. They they combine their skills through uh, science. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We I haven't mean, even oh, gotten we, through the Norwegian. Way. Yeah, so like we um, we have the Norwegian, and um, he uh, tries to shoot the dog, ends up shooting Clark, or mm-hmm. not Clark. No, uh, he shoots Benning. him. He sees Benning. Yeah, Benning's. He shoots Benning's, and, um, <laughs> which is great because like Benning is shot, and then sure enough, like the people go to kind of like mm-hmm. disarm the the Norwegian, and like he they just hand him a bottle of whiskey. J and B had some great product placement yeah. in here. McCready's whiskey. Yeah, bottle. they just hand him like the whiskey, and he's like, "You good?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, <laughs> "He's <laughs> yeah. just shot." He's like, "I got it." Um, well, he gets nicked. He's not really shot. He gets like barely grazed. grazes him. Yeah, but it's just kind of funny. Like, yeah. like it's like, all right, here you go. Just hands him the whiskey, yeah. and then continues to go and mm-hmm. disarm. Um, I thought that was like my my little favorite moment in the beginning. Nothing didn't disarm somebody quicker than a bullet, though. Yeah, and Gary, yeah, and so, who is originally our uh, our sort of uh, they call him established. Captain. Yeah, he's sort of the established leader. Mm-hmm. Is the one he he has his personal sidearm and he kills a Norwegian before they can figure out exactly what's going on. Yeah, because to them it's like this dude's crazy. He's shooting at this oh, dog. Yeah. You know, he just blew up his own helicopter. Mm-hmm. He's like it's it's complete like action action yeah. first, and um, sure enough, Clark, uh, which is the dog we now know is the dog handler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he takes a liking to the dog and just kind of takes him in, mm-hmm. and um, they uh, you know like the first thing that McCready says is like oh wow it's like not even the first week of winter, 
Yeah. And yeah, all they, they wouldn't happening. be stir crazy by now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So they launch an investigation as they're like resting there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're McCready resting. and McCready, uh, I believe it's Copper. He goes. Mm-hmm. He's and uh, they uh, they make a trek out to the Norwegian base yeah, before the I winds. I would say before up. that, whenever we get introduced to McCready's character, a central plot point is whenever he's playing this computerized chess game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he ends up losing and his reaction is to dump his glass of whiskey into mm-hmm. uh he 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 short circuits out the computer short, yeah. yeah i don't know yeah. what i don't know if that was like he the, just i don't want to call it the cd-rom because i'm not that familiar with that kind of technology cd-roms didn't exist yet mm-hmm. that was that vent that he opens would not exist on any computer yeah. it just it was there for the movie but yes he essentially opens a vent and just pours his drink into the computer mm-hmm. short circuit. Yeah, because he's going to, you know, he's like, oh, well, I lost. Well, mm-hmm. actually, no, I, I'm going to kill you. Know, I'm going to fuck this yeah. up. And also, t- technically speaking, he uh, he did, the computer was cheating, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the computer actually did cheat. It, 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 it had, he, I don't know much about chess, but he actually hadn't, like, lost yet. There wasn't actually a checkmate. It, it pre, it pre, it jumped ahead of itself. Mm. Sort of like mm. three moves. So ahead it deserved said, it. Yeah, it, it almost says. So he was right. He was. She was <laughs> a cheating bitch. But that plays into sort of establishing that McCready is a character who, even though he kind of seems like a nice guy, he's very much the ends justify the means. Yeah, yeah. he's. Oh, I'm gonna. Someone read the print. Yeah, <laughs> he says I'm gonna do what it takes mm-hmm. to to win to survive, which mm-hmm. then plays into it. And then the the exploration of the Norwegian base. Is such a drastic Ooh, departure. Did you? Did y'all hear that? Yeah, I did. That was the wind <laughs> from outside. Right when you said that, sorry, like I that heard the wind. Cheating bitch. Yeah. Ooh, got okay, me chills. We'll restart just in case. The exploration of the Norwe- of the Norwegian base is such a, a vast departure from like the opening parts of it because we in the in the opening of the film we get the the tundra, the helicopter, the dog. We see the the functioning base, but then. Them going to explore what happened to the Norwegian base and just the other destruction that is that research outpost is just, it's almost mind-boggling mm-hmm. to think that, okay, what occurred to these, like, 10 people? Like, what drove them yeah. to this? Because ha- the, ha- half the things burned down. Mm-hmm. There are several people who are dead. Either they've been uh, immolated or... There's one where they find his frozen blood, where he has slit his wrist and his throat, mm-hmm. and it's it's that it's adding the things of something occurred here, mm-hmm. something very, very powerful and f- terrifying happened here. If this individual is willing to do this to not face whatever is here, and then we get we get two things: we get the uh, McCready finding. And like pretty much the last room he's going to look at, finding the uh, original sort of like research place and figuring out like, oh, like something like is in the ice and they found it. And then when they go outside, they discover our original picture of the thing, which is the split face thing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is seemingly uh, this amalgamation of tissue with some human characteristics where uh, two human faces are pretty much fused, split in half. And it is creepy. Horrifying. Yeah, I, it is scary. Ugh, like has I'm like a very deer big, face yeah. too. Yeah, I'm very like, body horror when it's done right just gets me to my core. It's very And powerful. that is like, 
just like the setting and then just kind of seeing it it's like wow like you a part of you like a part of your you instinctually like we recognize it but you don't mm-hmm. at the same time you know it, it, it taps into a very primal horror of ours which is yeah. we have the uncanny valley mm-hmm. which is where if something is almost human but there's something that's off-putting about it we instinctually tap into it yeah because we know it's like yeah. oh this is sick because or this we, is... we know it's not a part of our group like whenever yeah. i look at tyler exactly <laughs> and we really uneasy yeah. and we also know that it's that aspect of i know it's same thing why zombies are so why zombies hold such a terrifying aspect because zombie movies have societal collapse is terrifying but we know what that should feel like we mm-hmm. know that that shouldn't be that dead tissue shouldn't be walking around all mm-hmm. sloth off and that's what makes it so actually like like visceral for us because mm-hmm. we can feel we know what that feels like we understand mm-hmm. everything that it's doing and ugh, this movie takes that and just levels it up mm-hmm. with the aspect of uh, this alien creature this thing and so after they discover this they they're like we gotta fucking get out of here <laughs> and so they, mm-hmm. they load it up in the helicopter bring it back and that's when the the rest of the group, they look at it and they're like, "Oh!" And they also gather, they gather. Uh, Don't forget, they went to see the spaceship as well. Yeah. Well, they yeah, they, they they do see the spaceship, and uh, and they find a hole cut out a square, mm-hmm. which is about the same size as the one that they find at the base, mm-hmm. and so it leads you to believe that whatever this thing was survived the crash, mm-hmm. crawled out, made it a few feet away from the ship, mm-hmm. and, and then, then was frozen. frozen. Yeah. yeah. Because they said that the ice looked like to be about what, like ten thousand, a hundred thousand, yeah, hundred thousand years old. Yeah, so it's like this has been around longer than humanity, mm-hmm. and it's. Uh... Also, I'll go ahead and say this: they picked the they 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 crashed the one place that limited them. Yeah, it's like New Mexico. Like, yeah, out of all the places to crash, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Right, but yeah, when, when but when we have the, when the the uh, when the thing is brought back, when McCready and the rest of them come back, and we have the examination of, they have an autopsy of this creature, and to their horror, they discover these are perfectly human organs. Can I point out something about the autopsy? Go ahead. So, who is the doctor that they locked in the uh, Blair? Blair, whenever mm-hmm. he's looking at and doing the autopsy, has a metal tool in his hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He touches the thing, mm-hmm. and very subtly, towards the end of that scene, as he's walking away, he taps it against his lip while he's, like, mm-hmm. thinking. Plus introducing yeah. it. Ah. Mm-hmm. Only takes one. Yeah, one. One little cell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really clever, because mm-hmm. the whole time... We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it. But he also ends up going crazy and almost like, and yeah. I think it's big. That was his That's, way of like realizing that he is. Yeah, he probably he was sitting there in front of the computer writing that terrifying manifesto mm-hmm. and doing like the math about how many people could have been infected. Mm-hmm. I think he realized what he did. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's. We'll get there. I have a whole section yeah. on. There's yeah, a there's, lot. There's, there's a, a lot. lot. But, like I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, and so looking at. Okay, you have that moment where okay, this is something that we do not understand, mm-hmm. and then we have the the understanding of oh wait, these are perfectly healthy human organs, which then brings us okay, then what the fuck is this thing I'm looking at? What is this? Yeah, and then we further have this, and they do such a good job with this because the way they shoot the dog, 
the way the dog walks, the way we see the oh dog. Oh, my God. So I actually, like, looked into – so uh, I watched the documentary, and they talked about uh, Jed, Jed the wolf dog, mm-hmm. who later is known as White Fang, all right? Okay, so he, he's got some credits to his name. He was uh, still, like – I think he was, like, a, he was he was a wolf dog. And so mm-hmm. wolves and, like, wolf dog hybrids, they still have, like, a lot of wolf instincts. So they tend to act a little bit different than dogs. And they tend uh, to be more antisocial the older they get. And because Jed was, like, a little bit older mm-hmm. and whenever they went to go train, like, he was still very new at training. So he mm-hmm. was very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he would growl. Sometimes he would nip. Sometimes he'd be really cool and then not cool. So he already had, like this weird off-putting energy and carpenter was like yeah let him roam around set mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because it plays perfectly into mm-hmm. that and also i think it's one thing we forgot to mention in the game but the first song we hear is superstitious Fucking yes, love whenever they're ro- yes. Which, so i made a note that there's three songs um and one of them was a billy holiday song and uh another one what was it it was billy holiday and then it was uh one Chain, Don't Make No Prison mm-hmm. by The Four Tops. And each one of those songs has to do with uh, infidelity, with paranoia, like mm-hmm. assuming someone's being unfaithful or lying, and miscommunication. Mm-hmm. The funny and, thing about Superstitious, though... But it really is, sets the tone. Is, ...is we think of it and we hear it in this context and it's supposed to be like superstitious, like mm-hmm. paranoia. Mm-hmm. That song is making fun of superstition. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which I, I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Fucking love that album, by the way. If mm-hmm. you've never heard that whole album, buy it and listen to it. It's incredible. Um, and I, I love the I love it whenever the cooks roller roller skating and we hear uh, biddings go. Can you turn it down? I just got shot today. Yeah, like <laughs> there's some humor mixed in here that's so perfect because at the at this point in the film, we there's it's still normal. Mm-hmm. There's been an event. There's been two events, technically, but it's still okay. Mm-hmm. We're not in this apocalyptic event. The, the mm-hmm. world hasn't been shattered. The, the Lovecraftian moment hasn't occurred yet. Which mm-hmm. is funny because if I was in a room and I saw a being that uh, didn't look like anything I'd ever seen mm-hmm. before, I think I would be a little fucking freaked out. Well, I think it goes back to sort of this humans are very very adaptable and very good at maintaining a level of wait, how can I say it? The brain has this way about it where we can sort of maintain this level of normality in very traumatic and stressful situations because at that point if you just freak out nothing's going to happen. It's just, it's just negative consequence at this point. And also we we have this idea we always attempt to sort of like, oh well, it's some well. Either we don't know what it is, so there's no we're worried about it, but we can't really like do anything about it. But they know, like they they have research scientists there who are analyzing this, doing further autopsies, trying to figure out exactly what this thing is. And so the others, well, I'm just gonna go about my day, try and like put it out of your head, but it doesn't last for long. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> And it, like, there's also like a um, another like throwaway line that Bennings says whenever um, they bring the the creature downstairs after it's been autopsied mm-hmm. and dethawed, 
And uh, I think someone said, why don't we just like leave it outside to freeze? Mm-hmm. And then he goes, oh, no, this, this is going to win somebody the Nobel Peace yeah. Prize. So they also have like mm-hmm. this sense of we just made a great discovery. Because it's not alive. This is yeah, a deceased so, creature. Yeah, they assume it's a deceased mm-hmm. creature. So they feel like they're they're safe and they're like, yeah, we don't understand what this is. Mm-hmm. It's dead, so it's probably not going to hurt us. And we could probably end up making some money, you know, make money off of yeah. it. Like we could be famous. Like this is like a, you know, a a gift. They almost view it as like a as a positive. Yeah, this is a and that ties into what you're saying about how like you know we tend yeah, to. Yeah, it's it's an attempt to sort of rationalize and look to the positive when that disappears very very very, very quickly. Very quickly. And um, oh, are we talking about the kennel scene? It's coming up. Oh man, it is coming up. I'm trying to think of. Um, yeah, I think that's actually the next. At least yeah. I'm in my because house, we, that's the next. Thing. We have because the dogs, and when I say the dog, the dog sort of just roams because Clark sort of takes a liking to it and is like, ah, I don't really put it in the kennel yet. Mm-hmm. And the dog is very calm, very chill, and just is sort of like roaming the base. We see it uh, nudge Benning's leg, mm-hmm. and it causes Benning to freak out. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I, one of the I, one of the uh, members of the crew goes ahead and say, Hey, Clark, go ahead and like kennel it up. And he's like, fine, it's okay. Yeah. Takes the dog into the kennel, and that's when we get our Ooh, massive just like reveal. The scene where he's just like sitting down and just staring mm-hmm. straight blankly, and like yeah. the other dogs are like, "Yo, hey!" <laughs> yeah, the other dogs have this this thing's this fucked reaction. up reaction, and then we it starts to it realizes it's we get the reveal of it it understands it's around more biomass, so it Fido starts up. Oh my gosh! This just the scene where it just like opens its face up mm. and you see the dog's yeah. skull and it's just like tentacles and then like the mm. weird like little uh, tendrils that tendrils come out tendrils, whipping around the tendrils give me yeah. just like oh my gosh and we also oh, have the one of the dogs starts chewing through the freaking yeah one of the vent. dogs yeah. realizes to get away and, yeah. to get away. Yeah. and then one dog is uh almost it, it it gets spit on with this substance, and then we see later that it is being actively assimilated and like, dissolved to the held bone. against the wall by yeah. these like tendrils. Oh my gosh! Mm. And then um, Clark is like the think the first one to see it, and um... yeah, what well, what happens is they it's dark, so Clark runs in, hears all the dogs, and then he attempts. He opens up the door, flashlights, it sees it, it freaks out, falls back, mm-hmm. and it one of the tendrils tentacles comes out and he kicks the door back in again these characters for what they are this is the most valiant crew of heroes i've seen the film yeah they take a lot of they they are (laughs) for what they're facing it's not that surprising considering they literally work in one of the most hostile environments on the planet Mm -hmm. they they're not strangers to danger to adverse conditions, and they probably that they know that they have to like they're in a situation where you have to act act first. And yeah. mm-hmm. what I like is that uh, McCready, whenever he hears the dogs howling, mm-hmm. like really just kind yeah. of like screaming, the first thing he does is just hit the fire alarm. Yeah, he doesn't even know what he's mm-hmm. about to get into. He just hits the fire alarm and grabs an axe, and then sure enough, uh, they call Childs to come in. Yeah, with he the tells fl- Childs to go grab the, the flamethrower, flame mm-hmm. and it's like how like they, I love how that's like their first reaction, just, like axe. Fire alarm, mm-hmm. flamethrower. It also let's doesn't. Go. Uh, there's a shotgun as well. I believe mm-hmm. McCready yeah. also has. McCready has a shotgun. Yeah, and yeah. man, oh man, that when the lights come on, that reveal of what is occurring. We see the creature. We see 
the reaction to the creature. We have everybody there. The dogs screaming. The dogs being just... assimilated. And then one of the most, probably one of the, the craziest moments, because we have Childs frozen. Frozen. He, he's frozen from an action. Just the mm-hmm. sheer shock of this. And McCree's tell him, like, fucking light it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it takes the moment where the creature goes to assimilate him. And the moment it gets close to him, and the mm-hmm. fucking flamethrower goes. And the creature just becomes fucking fully immolated with yeah. flame. And, I'm, and, like, I know, like, two dogs got out for sure. Yeah. Um, and then two dogs got out before they were assimilated. Mm-hmm. But just not the... For long. Yeah, not for long. Oh, my gosh. And then the creature escapes. It, like, creates more, like, limbs and busts through the roof after they have locked the door. And just everyone looking at each other and realizing we're fucked. Yeah. That, that realization of what now? I know even, like, I think, like, Windows' first reaction is to go and try to get help through the radio. Yeah. Yeah. But the, also their radio the radio has been down, not, yeah. been down it's, for weeks. It's established that mm-hmm. they haven't been able to make contact in weeks. They're, pure, mm-hmm. they're purely isolated. Yeah. And there's also, I think, a storm coming, so they can't raise the helicopter. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the helicopter's too small to fit everybody on it anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's a really dire situation. And then, so after this, they are able to analyze the dog thing. They have Blair uh, mm-hmm. taken in for another autopsy, and that's when he starts to realize whatever this is, it is, it's assimilating other creatures and perfectly replicating their biology. That's, I, I was wrong. This is the scene where he touches it, mm-hmm. the yeah. little tool, yeah. and then touches, touches his, his lip as mm-hmm. he's like walking away, which now, whenever you see that, mm-hmm. with the context, you're like, Oh, it starts this because no matter how much you burn the thing, unless you like, sorry, about to get gross here, unless you like bisect it and then cut Mm -hmm. it up into pieces and then burn the individual pieces until they are like ash, Mm -hmm. essentially, some of that matter is is going to survive. Like literally the blood is sentient. Yeah, they have it's stated in the lore. You have to that burning it will be enough. But it showcased that there was like still cellular activity, mm. like in the creature mm-hmm. that they just did. So they had to kill it again. But yeah, it's then he runs the simulation later with uh, trying to figure out exactly like what this is, and he he discovers oh this does replicate cells, and like it invades a cell and it fully it, it assimilates a cell and he's, he, it replicates it perfectly, and then he runs a simulation, which says I think it was in twenty seven thousand hours the whole world could be taken over. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we get easily to me the most realistic scene where Blair breaks. I yeah. wasn't even mad at Blair for what he was doing. No. He he literally saw mm-hmm. the conditions and knew that no matter what mm-hmm. no one could leave yeah. this yeah. base. He bust up the radio. Yeah. He, he he takes apart the helicopter. He takes yeah. he takes apart the uh, the helicopters. He takes apart everything else. He Destroys the tractor. He kills the rest of the dogs they had were able to rescue and get yeah. back in. He axe murders the dogs, which pisses off Clark. Mm-hmm. But then he, they find him destroying his office and stating... We see him pull out his gun after he discovers mm-hmm. like, it'll only take 27,000 hours. And there's that shift in character where he's kind of almost affable, very understanding, but then it's it's this 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 is this needs to be a wasteland. Nothing can get out of here. Yeah. And so he prevents everything. But there's that interesting character moment. Do we want to go ahead and go into 
the big reveal. Of, no, no, not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Not yet. I, I have something to, to say point. about that that mm-hmm. just occurred to me. We can, we can go ahead. It, it's for later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. I was like. Yeah. And so yeah. then the crew goes in and uh, mm-hmm. they are able to subdue Blair, Blair and after they, he fucking. And they put him in like some like little. Are they like a shack, right? Yeah. Or... He goes in McCready's. McCready's. Uh, it's McCready's apartment or McCready's shack. Mm-hmm. That he tool, his tool at. shack. Yeah, yeah. He stays in a different shack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, they they place him there. Uh, to just like leave him there, and again we 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 come back to him every now and again just to like, check. Like I on love him. how McCready is immediately like taking action and mm-hmm. just yeah like... he immediately becomes. Well, I imagine he's understanding as it's happening. He's realizing why everything was burned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He probably realized pretty soon that they shot and killed that Norway uh, Norwegian man, mm-hmm. and he was truly trying to do good. He yeah. knew what the dog was, and he's probably realized this. Probably realized why everything is burned. Mm-hmm. He's connected the dots. I mean, like even Childs. Childs is still in disbelief mm-hmm. over everything. Which yeah, none of these people are stupid, but some are a little more uh, valuable. Yeah, they're they're more a, a little more aware mm-hmm. of yeah. their situation. McCready definitely comes across as very cold, but he is the one. He does become the de facto leader of the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, because which, he's the one who's most active. Which is both good and bad, because mm-hmm. he distills out violence very dis... Yeah. Like yeah. Un, it's very there's quick. no compassion, there's mm-hmm. no care. If he thinks somebody has to go, mm-hmm. they go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he... he the uh, only person I think he shows any kind of hesitation is for Childs, but that's just out of, like... Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's very interesting. McCready's character, it is. He is very cold, mm-hmm. harsh, violent, but we understand that that's what's needed here. In mm-hmm. this situation, without without McCready's... And there's a shift. McCready is more feeling and compassionate, mm-hmm. except for uh, a little bit delayed down the line, but the a major scene that we haven't spoken about yet is when Windows and Bennings move the creature and they say, like, oh, it's when Bennings talks about, oh, someone's going to fucking mm-hmm. like, win a Nobel Prize off this thing. And then he leaves them alone. Windows and then, leaves. Oh we God. see the some movement under the sheet come back and Windows alerts, pulls the fire alarm, alerts everybody. Like, it mm-hmm. woke up. And they're like, where's Bennings? And he and, goes to, he sees Bennings has been attacked and killed. Yeah. And then what, he runs out to go tell everybody else. And when they come back, it's gone with the clothes. And we see a figure running out into the snow. Uh, I So the, the scene where Bennings is, is being assimilated mm-hmm. is just like, he's just sitting there. You just see the tentacles mm-hmm. just going into his body. Yeah. And just, like, you see him just totally just, like, meshing. Mm-hmm. Covered in pink. yeah it's pretty it's pretty it's It's visceral and then i think but the most to me when they go after the shadow Mm -hmm. figure which is bennings the bennings thing Mm -hmm. and everyone surrounds him we see because he looks like him at first but then we see when it looks and turns the hands haven't been replicated yet they're these big spindly fingers Mm -hmm. and then it it lets out this screech because it knows it's been it's been had um i have a fun little fact about the screech so uh in the original, like the the thing from Outer Space, they that same scream is used, and so Carpenter kind of took that sound bit and used it for the voice as like kind of like a uh, 
an homage. homage. Tip of the hat, yeah. And man, that moment when then they realize Ugh. and they just it's an, it's a, another moment from a creative fucking light him up. Yeah. Like it's like they he he He's got the he flare kicks over and, the barrel mm-hmm. and lights the flare and they just watch him burn. And there's that moment of that's to me that's the initial moment where everyone around that circle understands the no holds barred the vast importance yeah. of and I think they start to understand that we're not getting out of here because he that, was he was the first person yeah, yeah. he's the of the group yeah right? he's the first person that is actively uh, assimilated mm-hmm. and then that's when we get these other reveals of uh, we have Fuchs who's the more we have technically we have a doctor. Egghead. Yeah, we have a doctor in in copper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blair and Fuchs are, I believe, biologists. Yeah, biologists. And then Fuchs and McCready have this understanding. They're very close to each other because they mm-hmm. both seem to understand like this is a dire situation already, and it's the first night. And also, Blair and Fuchs are like really close friends yeah. as well. They're colleagues. They're very close friends. Yeah, because well. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Blair is the main biologist mm-hmm. and Fuchs is his assistant. Something like that. Yeah. But so they have like a working relationship. When Fuchs starts to understand, like, he, he starts like, he's doing his own research and McCready comes to talk to him and he says like, hey, he goes, I think this, it's a very small amount of like material that is needed mm-hmm. to get into this. We should all be preparing our own food. We should eat out of cans. It's like go like alert everybody, and then after McCready leaves, uh, Fuchs notices something outside, mm-hmm. and he goes out after it, and then I believe it's there that he finds the the ripped clothing that uh, that incriminates McCready, mm-hmm. and we was that Fuchs or Nalls? It was Fuchs. Fuchs. Fuchs finds, Fuchs, it. Fuchs finds it. Nalls finds it later. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but Fuchs finds it originally, and then we, when we next find Fuchs, we find his charred body. Mm-hmm. Which him finding it the first time sometimes makes me consider like, was Fuchs already assimilated? Was he the one that planted that? See, I don't think so. Because there's like multiple theories behind mm-hmm. Fuchs in that. Oh, we'll get into it. We'll yeah. get into I it. I feel like, I feel like Fuchs. Even when he was doing his research, like we see his pages, we, I don't think I think he knows it's an unwinnable, it's an untenable situation, mm-hmm. and I think he either he goes out and like realizes because there's a bunch of theories with it of either he understands what it is and just simply gives up and self immolates himself because he doesn't he sets himself on fire because he does not want to be assimilated, mm-hmm. and so he goes on his own on his own terms, or we have him coming across whoever is infected as the thing and attempting to like either defend himself or just go ahead and just, it, he knows he can't, it's, he can't do it. So he just kills himself there. But man, that begins the, the process of one of us is not us. Yeah. Which then the paranoia level is just woo, woo, cranked up woo. a notch. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think what happens after um, they find Fuchs. Because this, I've seen this. I watched this movie like four or five times this week, so my brain is like. <laughs> um, so pretty much, if my memory serves me correctly, after Fuchs is found, 
I think they decide on like a board, like a party idea of trying to figure out exactly. Uh, yeah, I think they're gonna have. Um, I believe Gary and uh, Clark tied up because Blair or uh, Blair even says like, "Look out for Clark, it's him." Yeah, no, so, I, I no. think yeah, uh, it McCready. And Nalls. Yeah. So what happens after that yeah. is they go to explore. Mm-hmm. So they go. McCready notices that the lights are on in his shack, and mm-hmm. he says, "They ask like, why are you, why do you want to check your shack?" And he's because like, I "Because I lights. turned the lights off." Yeah, my lights were off when I was last in there. So then they decide to split up into groups, and everybody. This is when again we see these moments of paranoia where the they understand that there's safety in numbers at least sort of faint safety in numbers, mm-hmm. but they do decide to split up, which, again, is one of the valuable moments of these characters because when you're separated, there's that possibility of assimilation. Mm-hmm. And when Nalls and... I think they tell them... Uh, they, it's, they have lines as well. Tow lines, because when you're in a storm, you typically have mm-hmm. tow lines that you clip into and you walk beside mm-hmm. so that you don't stray off because yeah. walking in a snowstorm you can't see your hand in front mm-hmm. of your face so you need this toe line that you follow and also he tells childs like he tells him pretty much uh like 40 minutes or like 20 minutes everybody meets back and then i think he also says like if i come back alone like light me up like if yeah. one of us comes back alone like do the deed mm-hmm. and also we skipped a very important part in the oh, plot Norris the blood because copper oh, that's right. copper says well we can uh, do a blood we can uh, test the blood by introducing our yeah. blood to mm-hmm. the thing's blood mm-hmm. it'll have a reaction yeah mm-hmm. and then when they go to do that they discover that the blood that their blood bank has been completely destroyed which is why they want to go ahead and uh, have Gary and Copper, like, tied up. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And Windows, interesting part of this. So everyone looks at Windows mm-hmm. because he, like, runs out of the room yeah. to, like, the gun shelf, mm-hmm. breaks the glass, and grabs a shotgun. But before that, there's a very subtle sound clip that I didn't notice the first time. Mm-hmm. But whenever they start asking each other, like, who had the key? Who had mm-hmm. the key? And it's like between these two characters, yeah. mm-hmm. there's a very subtle sound of keys dropping whenever mm-hmm. the camera is on windows yeah. as his face is just getting more and mm-hmm. more like uneasy. Oh, almost like kind of like, I guess like uh, trying to throw off the audience. Or just I like don't a- know if I think it leads you to believe that he had the keys, that he's already yeah. been assimilated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it leads you to that. And that's another thing about this movie is there are so many red herrings of we're made to think that characters are assimilated. Because mm-hmm. we have this thought of it it either was Gary or Copper. And everybody immediately thinks of, of Gary because like, why would Copper suggest the test and then incriminate himself by saying, like, why would I come and destroy it? Like, why mm-hmm. would I be the one to do this? So then Gary, everyone is pretty much convinced it's Gary. So then McCready assumes command. Mm-hmm. And now it's his show, which Gary does sort of He, he assumes command after they have their run-in with Windows in that hallway mm-hmm. yeah. where McCready, I think, is able to talk him down mm-hmm. and get him to put down the gun. Mm-hmm. And then Copper 
hands over his revolver to. He he attempts to hand it over to Norris because they look Norris. around because Norris is the most like he's one of the cooler heads. Yeah, and Norris declines. He says, "I don't want it." And so then it settles on McCready because they're going to give it to Childs, but Childs is way too hot headed. Yeah. Um. And then I, we um. I want to bring something up. So somewhere in this time, McCready goes back to check on uh. Blair. Blair. Mm-hmm. Whenever he opens it, the first thing you see is a noose yeah. Yeah. tied and hung mm-hmm. there. Yep. And at first, whenever I saw that, I thought, like, oh, he's really contemplating it. He's thinking the same as Fuchs was thinking. But now that I'm thinking about it, if Blair is assimilated and he's and this thing is intelligent mm-hmm. enough, it could do that to try to garner like, sympathy. sympathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, to get out. Like, mm-hmm. if they think I'm going to kill myself, they'll let me out of here. Because it's hung there, and it's not really that high off the ground, and it's definitely for show. Yeah. Yeah, because like, of how it's presented. I'm okay. You can let me out. I'm okay now. Mm-hmm. And so um, it kind of makes you wonder if... Yeah, there's um, a lot of questions here. If Because um, like whenever he was snapping, if that was his way of realizing that, you know, like maybe the assimilation, like whenever it takes you, it doesn't take you immediately. Mm-hmm. And I and think had Tyler a, has a really good thing to bring up later on about the thing. And, yeah. oh, oh, we're going to get into that. Yeah. So uh, going back to where we had left off, where they just, where McCready's like, my light's on. My light wasn't on when I left. And mm-hmm. so they decide to split up. They got in a snowstorm. And it's, it's ob- we have this cut, this transitionary cut where we realize that they have been gone for like 40 minutes. So like how long has it been? Like 40 minutes. Everyone else has returned. And then Nalls finally comes back and they're like, what the fuck happened? Like the tow line's been cut. He's like iced over. Yeah. Like completely and white from the windblown snow. He he says, I found McCready's uniform in his shack, like torn. In the, like in he, the furnace. Yeah, in the furnace. Like he's one of them. Mm-hmm. Like it's him. And then, then McCready shows up bus in and that is when McCready has his full shift. Yeah. Where now he has entered his pure self preservation. Because McCready understands that he was ju- he he knows he's not the thing, but he was just abandoned to die in the ice storm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now he's he's determined to figure out who the fuck is who. And he understands that that he is uh that he's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So he runs into one of like the equipment lockers and grabs a dynamite and, and a flare. And yeah. Childs and them mm-hmm. head him off yeah. at that room with flamethrowers mm-hmm. pointed ready to fucking yeah. go. They uh-huh. were about to light him up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because he told yeah, he, he told, told them him, like yeah. light me up. Yeah. And Childs like Anyways. you would have done the same. Like why are you mad? You would have done the same. Yeah. Um and, yeah, and, and he's holding dynamite. Yeah, and he says I'll take all of us with it. All, all of us, and it's that moment too where you, we then see when I talked about the the chess match in the beginning, showing McCready's mm-hmm. like true colors. He understands that one of them, at least one of them, is assimilated. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna kill me, at least I get it with me. Mm-hmm. Like we at least stop it from getting out. Is that when um, we have Norris have his? So yeah, this attack? is yeah. yeah they this... they run to take the dynamite from mm-hmm. him. They rush him, and 
McCready knocks over somebody mm-hmm. and then shoves Norris out of the way with an elbow, mm-hmm. and Norris falls back and hits a bookshelf mm-hmm. and starts to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, then we get uh, the big reveal of Copper attempting to save Norris. Mm-hmm. Gets the defib ready. And it wasn't Copper. It was the doctor. Copper's the doctor. Yeah, oh, I, Dr. Copper. I, mm-hmm. I got it mixed up. I thought Copper was the tall captain guy. And that's Gary. Gary. Gary, Gary <laughs> gives up control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gary's giving yeah. up control. My Copper's bad, the doctor. Uh, and Lots so when he goes to defib him, the first time it works, and then the second time, the chest opens up into a mouth, and we have the mm-hmm. reveal that Norris has been assimilated. Mm-hmm. Norris was a thing. And then, and the only reason that it attacked was because the electricity was harming it mm-hmm. and so it attacked at a self-defense and it exposes itself and then we have the most, most intense yeah. <laughs> scene like a snake with norris's fucking face on yeah. it bursting comes out. bursting yeah. out and mm-hmm. looking around the room yeah. and it's like covered in hair mm-hmm. it's and then the oh. head just starts just slowly just being pulled off of his body that's not until he's burned yeah they, they, they start, haven't burned him they yet. start burning him and to incinerate it, and McCready, McCready does it. McCready gets he has a kill. He has the highest kill. He beats the thing in kill count <laughs> for uh, this film, <laughs> and he incinerates. But we see as it's burning, the head starts to detach, mm-hmm. and we see the head. Norris's fall. actual head, not the head on yeah, the snake. Norris's thing. head. Yeah. Yeah, and then we get the little. Yeah. Like the legs and uh-huh. the crab eyes. Whenever his head hit the floor, I was like, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do that. That's There's too- no way. They're, yeah. they're, they're oh, not no. going to do it. Oh, and then it's like, sprouted let's take it there. fucking take it there. spider legs. Little spider crab. And head. little like antenna eyes. And I was like, oh. Palmer oh. has my favorite line. Yeah. And that's, you got to be fucking, fucking kidding, kidding me. <laughs> and, <was> it <laughs> and then they light it up there. And then after this moment, we have McCready. Because McCready understands. McCready knows. He's like, okay, listen, like, if Norris was this and he was actively helping us, somebody here, he was someone else, like, is And that's also whenever they realize that it's each cell of this thing is its own autonomous living Mm -hmm. cell. And so he, he says we should do the blood, but we should try the blood because the blood will attempt to protect itself. Yeah. Yeah. And so. One of the best scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. And so, but before then, uh, Clark, who again, Clark, this entire time, we think Clark's been infected. Yeah. At least my side. It's very heavily. There's He's two. Isolated I himself. thought Windows. Yeah. There's at least three. There's three individuals for sure that we are made to think are infected. It's Gary. Mm-hmm. It's Windows, mm-hmm. and it's Clark. Mm-hmm. Clark being the high number one, then then Gary, and then Windows. Who's the guy that's always wearing the headphones? Palmer. 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 Yeah. 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 Palmer. McCready also, but then we sort of understand, like, okay, McCready's not infected. Yeah. We don't really understand. We don't really think that Childs is infected. We have no reason to think that Palmer's infected, but we also had no reason to think that Norris was infected. Yeah, I was, because I was trying to see if, like, when, like, when would Norris have the time to be infected? Because, like you said, Oh, I've, Blair got, I've touches... got a point on Norris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can tell you exactly when. Whenever the dog is roaming the hallways in the beginning and mm-hmm. he comes to that door of that room mm-hmm. you see a shadow yeah. and the shadow is very distinctly collar sticking out of sweater mm-hmm. Norris throughout the film is wearing 
a collar shirt with a sweater, Mm -hmm. the dog enters the room. He may have been the very first person Mm -hmm. assimilated. Assimilated, yeah. Mm -hmm. And another good point to watch out for in this film, if someone does a costume change, if someone Mm -hmm. changes outfits, they're suspect. Mm-hmm. You need to pay attention to that person. And they realize that as time moves on. And it gives a lot of hints. Like, they find the ripped up, like, uh, Long Johns. Yeah. And th- that that's another thing that the McCready says. The one character that you see that's missing the yeah. Long Johns will find out in a minute. Yeah. yeah. And so then we have uh, McCready saying, he brings up the blood, and Clark sees an opportunity. He thinks that McCready's lost it. He grabs a scalpel. Attempts to lunge at McCready, and McCready fucking turns and fucking domes him with the revolver. With Competently revolver. violent. Yeah. Competently violent. And because he, he understands that moment of, and this is after he had threatened Childs. If he kills yeah. me, where's the leadership? Childs? Yeah. yeah. And he's mm-hmm. like, Childs too hot headed. And so then we have the moment where. And I like Childs. Yeah. I'm, Child, I'm going yeah. to go out there and say, I like yeah. Childs. Childs but has I agree. actively he, good points. He, yeah. Is way too hot-headed. Yeah, to handle the leadership yeah. role. And mm-hmm. then after this, this is when McCready forces everybody to do the blood test. And we see him, everybody's tied up. And we see him sharpening. He gets the wire to just the mm-hmm. metal so he can heat it. And we have the two corpses, both uh, Copper and Paul, and, and Copper and uh, Clark. Tied up as because well, yeah. It, he goes, it can be faking dead. We have mm-hmm. to be sure. We have to. And he causes everybody to cut themselves with a scalpel. To figure out and a web- oh, windows that made me so yeah, uncomfortable. Windows is the one he has out because he trusts Windows. He's like Windows. He's like, at the moment you we you're one of the only people we have not to like. He goes because he he because I think he thinks that Windows has been acting erratically, and he wouldn't want the thing wouldn't be wanting to draw attention to itself like with right. the shotgun thing. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't want to uh, attempt to have itself be attacked. So he trusts Windows, and that's why one of the first blood tests he does is Windows, and because at the moment. We are we are pointed Clark and Gary. Mm-hmm. Clark's infected, Gary's infected. We have the we think there's a possibility that McCready's infected, but we're it's sort but we're we're leaned this path of it is Gary and it is Clark. And we will be proving that. And the way they do it all, and like we see like and also technically Nalls is a possibility. Because he was out in the open for so long. And when we see the the blood test being done, and we I think it's Windows, I believe uh, Nalls is like the second if it's not McCready, and Nalls the look on Nalls's face because it's it's this fear that I don't think he would have known if he was or not, and there's that that fear of would you know? Yeah, is it me? Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second because then we, we get so we get all these people cleared. Clark gets cleared. Mm-hmm. Copper gets cleared. Nalls is cleared. We ha- all of you are cleared. So we have Gary and uh, Gary and Palmer. Mm-hmm. And and whenever he's doing this, he gets to who is it? Uh, one of them, McCready is sure he says, and to find out what I already knew. Yeah, yeah. and he like heats it up and goes mm-hmm. to do it because he thinks this yeah. character I cannot remember. It's who, Clark. Clark yeah. is infected, and then it just goes and out. Then in the child board. says. Good job, you, you murdered a man. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. he was. And I then, guess that means he was yeah, human after McCready, all. I guess that makes you a murderer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then, Childs the whole time is just being very dismissive towards yeah. McCready's. Like, Everybody thinks this is a whack job idea. Yeah, and McCready's forced them at flamethrower point. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he, 
and again, we, we everybody gets cleared, and then we get to Palmer's blood. Yeah, Palmer's and blood. And McCready isn't even paying attention yeah. whenever he does it. He's like mm-hmm. looking at someone else in the room because he, he, he doesn't looking, think he, it's Palmer. He he knows it's Gary. Yeah, we've been we've yeah. been red herringed. Gary's infected. Gary's been assimilated. And aren't they arguing at the like at the point? Every, yeah. yeah, everybody's arguing at this point, and we see Palmer sort of like looking ahead, very calmly. Palmer, which is, is not Palmer's cold. nature. Yeah, Palmer the whole time yeah. is like smoking weed, very listening bombastic. to his thing, very, talking very mm-hmm. like bombastically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's not acting like him, but you don't notice that because yeah. in the moment everybody's it's arguing. so heated. And again, you're prime. You're like, it's fucking gear. I'm gonna get that 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 rev- that moment of satisfaction of mm-hmm. well, we knew it, we were right. Yeah, and then he fucking touches Just, Palmer's blood, oh my God. and it screams and runs away. And this it, he is like the drops second. a petri dish, uh-huh. and, dish the blood. and the blood makes rivulets and mm-hmm. runs away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, which yeah. seems kind of bad that they didn't set that on fire because mm-hmm. now there's just like errant blood. And we yeah. even see like the blood running toward Palmer, like yeah. going toward Palmer. Yeah. And we get to the second uh, transformation, which. As much as, like, Norris's transformation was very, like, visceral, I think mm-hmm. the kennel scene and then this scene freaked me out the most because yeah. of the he's flailing. He's, like, ripping he's the like, bench out of the chair yeah. as he's, like, growing mm-hmm. bigger and bigger. And everyone is still tied, tied up. up next the to The only him. two free people mm-hmm. are McCready, who has a flamethrower, and Windows. And Windows, I think, has a... Win- Windows doesn't have the flamethrower. Windows, Windows doesn't Windows, have shit. Windows backs into the corner and is, like, stunned in fear... While McCready, the flamethrower is non-functioning. Yeah, he keeps trying their to only hit it, line and it's of defense. Not, it's not firing. And Gary, Childs, and Nulls are all tied up next to this. Fight. They're going Scream. fucking yeah. nuts trying and to it's, like. It's ah! transitioning, and then it like jumps out of the thing onto the ceiling and drops in front of windows as McCready's trying, and, and his head opens, opens up, up and just trap. bites windows, mm-hmm. and then just oh my gosh, and we get this scene where he's just yeah. shaking windows mm-hmm. and as, just as slowly it's starting just the assimilation. Him. Yeah. yeah. And then McCready fucking goes again. Hoses can't get it. fucking. And then finally it throws windows to the side and mm-hmm. McCready fucking lights it up. Mm-hmm. And afterwards. And, and, and in that scene, whenever he's walking mm-hmm. through the wall and just kind of doing yeah. this, that's also taken from the original mm-hmm. as well, where you have like the flaming man and just mm-hmm. falls and you just hear the screeching yeah. like. As it's tear. being burned. Yeah. And then he lights up windows afterwards. Windows is dead. It's like but... just sitting in this corner. Yeah. But here's something I want to say real quick. I, for one, think Windows was assimilated earlier. I, I, don't think I, so. think, I think he was. Let me finish. Okay. My point. And if that's the case, then we just saw, as, as we said before, every cell of this being is its own sentient, mm-hmm. like intelligent being trying to survive. Do you think, here's my question, whether Windows was assimilated or not, do you think one assimilated version of the thing would know if somebody else was also assimilated? Or do you think it would have no knowledge of this? So I feel like... um... Because if if it doesn't know and it attacks Windows, then we've seen it demonstrate... Like, it, it's just going to attack to survive. If mm-hmm. it knows, then we've seen it demonstrate that one organism mm-hmm. will eliminate another to survive, which is going to come back to another point later mm-hmm. on that I want to make. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of just kind of puts the question is, like, are they eliminating that one because they view it as weaker? Because it was, uh, 
or would they want to like if if their whole thing is like to take on and kind of like take over mm-hmm. wouldn't they want to like be in um as many as possible many see, as possible i don't see, know you know like i don't know or is it I just like think the audio like hint of the camera resting on windows and you hearing mm-hmm. keys drop is just a very classic technique of filmmaking mm-hmm. that you use an audio cue with a close-up Mm-hmm. to demonstrate but that something. could also been like a little sneaky red herring as well but why would he react the way he did and run down a hallway and knock out a window and I try to get a gun other than for survival i think it plays into windows not knowing what to do and believing because i think windows did have the keys but i think someone stole the keys off of him mm-hmm. and he understands like the keys were stolen from me at some point and returned well windows is never supposed to have the keys yeah yeah but I so think, either someone stole it, planted the keys on Windows to take Windows down, which is which is valid. I could be very wrong. I just have a weird thing. I think Windows was acting kind of funny. But I think the thing with Windows is because he's acting so erratically, it proves that he's not assimilated. Yeah, because we see mm-hmm. Palmer's demeanor change, even though he's a. And we we do have that moment too where Norris, it's either. Norris is isn't fully assimilated until his heart attack or it perfectly replicated his body and the stress overloaded his heart and he had a heart attack and that doesn't reveal itself until it's attacked and so it's either it's a perfect assimilation and Norris is just sort of like he doesn't know or it's acting as if it were if, if, as if it were him and it sort of is just keeping going and, and maintaining itself in that idea of Norris wouldn't be the one because it has his memories. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the one to to take the gun because it's mm-hmm. not his. It's not him, and it it's covers and blown until it has a heart attack, and then the electricity it it takes it as it just had a fight primal, or flight response. Yeah. And then I think it's very important too to notice that when everyone else freaks out and runs, Palmer and Norris are death staring Fuchs mm-hmm. at the at the blood bank, the very calmly. Just looking at him, you see Palmer looking at him distinctly, and I think that is a telltale because we we understand that, but like Palmer's infected. We may not know it yet, but if you go back, he's infected. And then even when you go back into this other point of because Palmer's demeanor kind of stays the same yeah, up doesn't until he get splashed with blood at some point. Someone got splashed sure. with blood yeah. whenever they attacked one of mm-hmm. the things. But I think that there's this moment where we do see. Uh, Palmer's sort of maintaining his level of understandability until it gets to his blood test and he's resigned because he knows the thing understands it's about to be found out and it's about Mm -hmm. to have to go on the offensive. Mm -hmm. It's about to have to break cover. Because when we see the Norris thing run away, Palmer's the one to insinuate. Like he, Mm -hmm. he, Nalls is the first person to discover that the, uh, that it's, getting away and then Palmer immediately after goes like what the f- you gotta be fucking, fucking kidding, kidding me. me yeah so it's either Palmer's unaware of this point which it which it goes back to the idea of either he's unaware mm-hmm. or this organism has no problem sacrificing another one of it in order to stay undercover and exactly. stay hidden because to me I think it's more of a hive mind situation I think that this one cell is simply just replicating itself Mm-hmm. And it's all interconnected and connected in and of itself, yeah. which it knows that 
it can it can throw it can throw blame it's if it reacts like Palmer is and look why would I why would I point out myself to be burned right it, yeah. it shifts blame which this thing is very very good at mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've got things to say later yeah and so yeah like moving from like after this point where we've had we you go into it because it's your favorite part of the fucking movie you told me to me multiple times. Oh after, yeah. After where Gary is like, and because like everyone has the flame. Ah uh, uh, yes. Out, okay. Gary, so after all that shit, and mm-hmm. he's just. So Nalls and Childs are untied. Gary yeah. is still tied to this mm-hmm. couch after all of this shit, and mm-hmm. he just speaks very calmly. Mm-hmm. And then it builds, mm-hmm. and he just shouts. He's like, I, I know we've been through a lot, <laughs> fellas, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> But can someone get me out of this fucking couch yeah. or something Untie like that? Untie me from yeah, this fucking like, couch. Like, I like, I like to spend, couch. I like to spend the yeah. rest of this winter not tied to this fucking couch. Like, yeah, I just sounded like a dumbass because yeah. no, I couldn't remember the line. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, but it's so good because we mm-hmm. do see that. Like, oh man, because we understand like he's like the officer of them, but it's this he almost was fucking like turned. Yeah. And oh, he was right next to. Yeah. They probably could have been. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of uh, biological material flying yeah. around that and room so at that point. And so then we have the uh, them being like, well, there's only one more person to test. And Let it's me Blair. say this. Mm-hmm. There's more biological material being slung around this base than in well, a freshman dorm makes room. You, um, makes you wonder about, like, uh, whenever, whenever, uh, the people, whenever people are assimilated, do they have like some kind of knowledge that they're being slowly taken over? That's the question. Like we, how much? Like how much are is their consciousness I, like still there? Like how are you know? How are they like? My opinion is that they're just taken over. Like there's there's no question of am I assimilated? You're just assimilated yeah. at some point, mm-hmm. and it's no longer you. It's just this being that uses your it's this representation, your body, and your memories, and your demeanor your way of talking it uses that to try to propagate to gain more bio protect itself to gain more of itself and man this is when like the shit goes down because we have them uh we have gary nalls and uh mccready go out to check the shack Mm -hmm. or to check the shed where blair is to go test him and they leave uh child's with because the, there's two flamethrowers, McCready has one, Childs mm-hmm. has the other. Which is after I think McCready kind of contradicts himself because I think before then he says, "From now on, we're not splitting up. From no, now on, we're." This is that's one of the elements I talked about when I say they're fallible. In that, again, you think they would say in the groups, but again, they they think that like just in case like, we have to have somebody back mm-hmm. there, and so but instead of leaving two people, they like, they split off into a group of three and one. Oh yeah, so that leaves child. That leaves like, childs alone, with to, all these uh, dead carcasses. Well, the, or, at, at this point, it's it's believed that the they're okay, mm-hmm. but I believe this is actually when uh, he tells him like, if anyone comes back alone, light him up. Like you're the only one who's not, like you're not infected. Like we we've established that because mm-hmm. like if anyone comes back by themselves, like do it, and uh, they go to the shed. And we have a massive reveal that somebody has been doing some sheds digging. fucking empty. Yeah, sheds There's empty. There's a hole in the ground. Which I'm going to ask a question: How fast do you think someone can? Well, I guess I don't know. How fast do you think a being can 
dig through the ice and make like a big enough little cave in the ice to build a freaking spaceship. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, Blair was building a fucking spaceship yeah. out of tractor and mm-hmm. helicopter parts, which I want to know how the fuck he thought that was going to work. Hey, man, he's an alien, man. He's an a- yeah, <laughs> alien tech. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. It's like, how strong are these? Well, you know what? Kind of. Like, I'm just. It makes because like they were able to like break through the freaking roof. Mm-hmm. They're able to project somebody like this. Yeah. This thing is like. It can it how it replicates cells. It can just, I don't know. It, it, it's just it it could fucking do it. It yeah, probably I'm, like went full on freaking spy. It made a freaking spider crab. Mm-hmm. I'm just hung up on what crabs the are in literal Antarctica? practical ability for somebody to build a flying saucer that can mm-hmm. reach space. I guess space. I don't know where it's trying to go. Yeah, I think it's trying to just get out of Antarctica. A fucking helicopter parts, except for this. That helicopter. A lot of helicopters from that time period and helicopters now mm-hmm. are. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong when this comes out. Are powered by like turbojet engines yeah. that just they they operate differently and turn flywheels that turn the propellers on these helicopters. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially a, a a jet turbine engine. Um, another thing about helicopters I thought about in the very first opening scenes mm-hmm. is I, I don't know I just. I have ADHD, if you guys didn't know. Mm -hmm. But I was sitting there thinking, like, okay, a helicopter, you you can fly it with less revolutions per minute in hotter environments with more hot air because the hot air is helping to lift the helicopter. So in a cold environment, that thing had to be, like, pegged the fuck out full throttle to be able to stay high. (laughs) But yeah, the fucking... Then we get the... This is the ball-to-wall moment because... They we see our heroes, our hero group now, which is McCready as the leader, mm-hmm. Gary who's second in command, and Nalls, all free of infection, armed, ready to fucking party, and they understand like what's happening, and then they turn to see the gen the the power go out. They run out and they see childs run from the entrance, seemingly going after mm-hmm. Blair who's mm-hmm. escaped, but all the power's done, and that's when McCready says like. It blew the generator. Like, yeah. It's going to kill us and go into freeze and go back into hibernation and wait on, and it's going to wait on a rescue team. And that's when the three of them decide, because they, it's talked about, like, we're going to die. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. We're going to die. Mm-hmm. We're so, going to take it with us. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is the quote that's spoken about then or later, but I have it written here. And this is from McCready. Whether we make it out or not, we can't let that thing freeze again. Maybe we'll just warm it up around here. We're not getting out of here alive, but neither is that thing. Yeah. So yeah. then they decide to set fire to the camp and then set off explosives in the base to further blow everything I have away. a question. Um, earlier on, McCready is seen recording himself onto a cassette. Yeah. And I couldn't tell by the button presses he was doing. Was he like going back and recording over himself and like trying to get it right and do it over and over again or was he just deciding that he was just gonna like wipe the tape anyways because his whole plan was was to make a tape explaining the situation mm-hmm. and hide it for anyone that comes after i think he may have just been rewinding the tape to go mm-hmm. from the beginning so if someone found it they would hear it from the beginning well he like he's talking into mm-hmm. it and then he rewinds it mm-hmm. and records again over it which I, is weird behavior mm-hmm. to be doing multiple takes on your like cassette 
that explains the situation, I guess. Yeah. But we'll get into that yeah. later. And so then we have we have our three heroes going around. They're setting fire to the camp, and uh, they finally make it into the sort of the generator room. And again, everybody, again, they split up again. They make the fallible mistake, and they split up. And to me, the most horrifying transformation, the most horrifying assimilation. Gary's cornered by mm-hmm. Blair, and, and he just shoves his fingers he, right in yeah his. F- down his throat, mm-hmm. and assimilates Gary. And then we see as McCready and Nalls are, <laughs> as they're like they're setting up like the the final big explosive with the uh, the plunger. And I almost said plopper, <laughs> the plopper. <laughs> and so they have, they're setting up and Nalls just like looks over and he sees just Blair dragging Gary like from his mouth, like with his hand from his mouth, dragging yeah. him along. And Nalls just walks towards it. Kind of a stupid fucking move. But again, a move fueled by fear. Yeah. Full Fueled by that existential fear of like, maybe I can do something. Or maybe yeah. even just nothing. And then McCready... Or maybe just let it take He's me. three feet from McCready, and he says nothing. He just walks towards him. And McCready's so busy when he looks up, he's like, no, I'll say, he's gone. And then that's when McCready knows, like, fuck me. Goes after him with a flamethrower. And that's when we get the big fucking reveal of, like, oh. the tunnel like sequence. Mm-hmm. It's, like, burrowing through the tunnels. Destroys, like, knocks away the plunger to everything, and the massive like, reveal... Like, it reaches up with yeah. the tentacle and yeah. takes the plunger mm-hmm. with it. And it, it, we get the reveal so, of... how long has this thing been tunneling, too, is the question. Yeah. If it made a tunnel in a little cave to build this UFO, mm-hmm. and it's able to tunnel at this speed, yeah. h- how many tunnels are there? Because yeah. if if I'm correct in the Blair touching his mm-hmm. mouth, how long has Blair yeah, been how long? assimilated? Oh, yeah. We're how gonna, long has he had? We're going to get into that. Yeah, how like how long has the Blair thing been, been in existence? And if it does have like a hive mind, what if like they have all individually gone and kind of worked? Yeah, it can yeah, be the thing behind of- Behind the scenes, like, you yeah. know what I mean? They all kind of yeah. like- We'll get into that too because that's a major like point that I noticed specifically and I saw I was like, oh, fuck me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then we have the reveal of like we see a few of the other like creatures and we see like it's the Blair thing and uh boy oh boy this fucking McCready this man has no fear. This man has resigned himself to I am fucking taking you with me. <laughs> and we see him he even like tells him the he says fuck you to yeah. this massive alien as it he fucking lights it up with dynamite. Which is like honestly like out of like any kind of cool snazzy thing you could say. That's And if you've noticed throughout the this uh these couple of scenes of them burning the camp. Mm-hmm. McCready has taken his empty whiskey bottles, yeah. filled them with kerosene. Mm-hmm. He's created gasoline and he's created molotovs and he's mm-hmm. using them to burn these rooms. Yeah. Next to the plunger as he's mm-hmm. setting up is two bottles mm-hmm. of what we assume is gasoline. I don't think mm-hmm. he's tying one yeah. off right yeah. now. Or he mm-hmm. could be. We we've seen that he sort of is a drinker. Mm-hmm. And again, I know I know where you're going at with this. And it's we'll get to it. Ooh, it's it's this movie is pure paranoia and mistrust. I'm and having so much fun talking about this one. It honestly. is. This is it's so intense. Oh man, I haven't had this much like, fun I, since yeah. Total Recall. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just kind of like I'm just like really like I don't know. I'm kind of like taking like a little bit of a backseat just because mm-hmm. I'm like watching y'all get really into <laughs> it, and it's like yeah, everything that I like I I I feel and like I want to say like I'll probably like wait till the end because I'm just like I don't know. I'm well, just speak up, y'all. Summer. 
Well, I mean, we're I already don't... two white men on a podcast. <laughs> well, Let's I let just the don't white know. woman talk. I just, yeah, I just, <laughs> I just don't know like what else to say that hasn't been said yet because. Whenever I was watching the film, like, I never really thought about, like, going and, like, looking into, like, the different theories. Never really Mm -hmm. thought about, like, how they got infected because things kind of happen so fast. Yeah, and and we don't see a lot. And we don't see Mm -hmm. a lot. And so I'm having, like, things kind of click together. And you're right. Like, we see the whiskey bottle all throughout. And my Mm -hmm. first thing was, like, oh, this is just product placement. And I'm, Mm -hmm. like, no, those are the Molotovs. Like, he's... He's um, establishing his character as a drinker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but But it's also... also... Yeah. It's also like very a tool proactive, used. and the fact that like Kurt Russell wasn't like originally like um, put on this film, mm-hmm. uh, John Carpenter just couldn't find anybody, and he's like, yeah. "Look, I've already worked with you uh, mm-hmm. for Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. I-, I need to have you on this set." Mm-hmm. And so, Kurt Russell and John, because Kurt Russell is John Carpenter's Johnny Depp, yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. and so they have like such a deep working relationship, and they also. Um, so he actually had like a lot of say in mm-hmm. how he wanted his character to develop. He had yeah. like a lot of, uh, you know, he had a lot of input on um, the creative aspects of the film and some of the story and plot lines of the film. And so looking at the the documentary and comparing it to this, like I could see where like they uh, they might be kind of fucking with us when it comes to McCready. But we'll get into that. Yeah. No, the end, whenever y'all say oh, I theories. have a whole thing. It's all paranoid. Both, both of you, both of you have a lot to say. I think we all have a lot to say about McCready. Yeah, no, and so well, sci-fi like horror, sci-fi in general is one of my favorite genres, mm-hmm. and I love that with sci-fi you can take it in so many directions. You can make sci-fi drama if you want to mm-hmm. by just I don't know making a Hallmark romance and just yeah. setting it in a sci-fi mm-hmm. future. But it's oh, you man, can but do... the thing, so the thing, and Kurt Russell would be falling in love and living in a log cabin up in Maybe upstate New York. Maybe they're like. <laughs> They can do action, as we saw with Total Recall. Mm-hmm. You can do, like, thrillers. You can do, like, espionage. Mm-hmm. You can do horror like we're seeing here. Yeah. It's such a malleable genre to work within, mm-hmm. and I just love it. I, I have so much to say because it's it's so easy to talk about this film. Mm-hmm. And I think going into – we can discuss that further like, after we finish the plot because mm-hmm. – the last moment of this film is probably one of the most important and talked about things. Almost at the same level of Total Recall as, like, was it a dream? Mm-hmm. And the, we have, after everything's occurred, the... Go ahead. Do we have anything more before then? We have... As he runs out... Yeah, yeah, yeah we're there. Yeah, we're, we're there. there. And mm-hmm. so we have uh, Victorious, even almost in defeat, <laughs> is McCready... And he's just laying there, and child shows back up. Well, he's stumbling through the wreckage of the camp, mm-hmm. and he like, bottle in hand, yeah. wrapped in like mm-hmm. scarves. Yeah, and he goes and he leans against a, a some burned out. So did, was he able? Was he able? Uh, I can't remember. Was he able to destroy like the main giant creature? Yeah, the Blair the Blair thing is like, seemingly destroyed. It's seemingly uh, burned and. Uh, dynamited to death because mm-hmm. there was a massive explosion and already the fires right so pretty much yeah it was just this final like burning that uh does it and so we have child show up and child's like what ha-? and he pretty much asked like where were you and he's i went after a blair i saw blair went after him and got lost in the storm and then uh yeah pretty much like it's they decide they both sit down against yeah. the same wreckage mm-hmm. facing each other yeah. both Looking each other over and suspicion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they both decide, like, 
I think McCready actually says it. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. he, he he pretty much says like, well, let's wait here and see what happens. I think right. he literally yeah, says, let's see like, what happens. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. Mm-hmm. And so that's when it kind of cut cuts off. And then like um, like you mentioned um, earlier before. Oh, we it recorded. doesn't cut off. There's a there's a little there's a little well, saucy detail there. Mm-hmm. McCready has this bottle with him, mm-hmm. which we've seen him both drinking from bottles. We've seen him putting gasoline in bottles. In the end, whenever him and Childs are sitting across from each other, he hands the bottle to Childs, mm-hmm. which twofold is is interesting because Childs takes a sip from this bottle mm-hmm. just very plainly, just mm-hmm. just drinks from the bottle. Now, from the biological standpoint, he just traded biological material from the rim of that bottle oh. with Childs. Mm-hmm. And I think both Childs and McCready are smart enough to know that if someone drinks a bottle after you, mm-hmm. it, if this were in any other situation before this and you handed a bottle to someone while this was going on, they would, if they're intelligent, as we've learned over the last two years, mm-hmm. <laughs> will not take a drink out of it because your biological material is on it Mm -hmm. now the other side is is that bottle one of the molotovs and mccready mccready has anticipated this Mm -hmm. because after he takes a drink just very plainly with no reaction not even like a uh, Mm -hmm. like you get whenever you just drink straight whiskey Mm -hmm. and then sets the bottle down mccready laughs Mm -hmm. and just sits back yeah and then we we cut to credits. Mm-hmm. What you, the fuck? Yeah, is it yeah. the final test? Yeah. Holy fuck nut, this movie is intense. I, it's not the theory I, like, subscribe to, but it is one that I've been thinking about a lot. In the beginning, whenever we find McCready's clothes ripped up mm-hmm. outside, mm-hmm. either... And this is the more likely thing because Norris was probably the first to be assimilated. Mm-hmm. Did Norris do that as t- to mislead because it somehow knows he's like the most competent leader? Mm-hmm. Or is McCready the perfect assimilation who's adopted McCready's personality and knows that if he takes this role of being in charge, mm-hmm. and even if he has to eliminate other mm-hmm. assimilated organisms of mm-hmm. himself... He can come out at the end, mm-hmm. be put in stasis by freezing, and somebody will find him. Or is that complete bullshit? McCready is the only one to never get assimilated, mm-hmm. which with all the biological material like I was mm-hmm. talking about earlier, it is hard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's hard and there's like to a find lot of, out. There's like a lot of like little things that I've noticed that they did with McCready. Like, um, of course, like makeup is used. Like everyone, mm-hmm. like one thing that you kind of notice is that everyone's makeup, they get kind of paler, their eyes get darker, especially Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, Another interesting with, thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, with with um, McCready, he gets um, as he kind of starts taking on the role, he gets uh, they they make him like I guess they make him look paler. And like, you know, you can't always like say, oh, well, it's they're yeah. in they're in mm-hmm. Arctica, they're they're in shock, they're in stress. But it's almost like they kind of add like li- these like tiny like little details to his character to kind of make him seem way more suspicious than he already yeah. is. Oh yeah, and. If um, one of my favorite lines is the chameleon strikes in the dark 
and you know and of course chameleons will blend in with their surroundings mm-hmm. you're talking about a simulation if you're like with your theory and like from what i'm getting with your theory is that the thing while it's assimilating to other people to get closer to mccready it's mimicking his behavior because he is taking I'm, on a leadership my role. my pet theory in this is that mccready is assimilated he's just the most effective version of assimilating because it's in a position of leadership mm-hmm. it knows it knows the stakes it knows that even if it eliminates others of its kind or you know branches of its kind that have mm-hmm. broken away in the end as long as it can save one cell of itself mm-hmm. it can go into stasis and infect someone else and so by choosing the one that already has that self-preservation like like big um yeah because mccready mm-hmm. shooting someone in the head mm-hmm. setting people on fire all this shit no one once is like that's totally out of mccready's character mccready would mm-hmm. never fucking do that yeah they're yeah. just that's mccready so mm-hmm. it's almost like a perfect assimilation if that's what it is and that's not necessarily what i believe mm-hmm. i just think it's really clever and it's another way of viewing it's this a sociopath. <laughs> um another thing that's interesting is in an interview the cinematographer said mm-hmm. that they used eye lights to hint at who is assimilated. Mm-hmm. And if Tyler can, while we talk or something, mm-hmm. pull up that ending scene so we can see it, mm-hmm. I don't know what an eye light is. Yeah, so I, yeah, the I, way, I looked into it. Yeah, so I actually I do know this. So uh, pretty much I believe the cinematographer said eye lights for, for non-assimilated, for humans. Mm. Ah, which okay. makes sense because we give eye lights like right now. If you can, like with the lighting in the studio, mm-hmm. if you, I can see in your eyes, you see the little yeah, light, I see lights, lights in, in your eyes. Those mm-hmm. are eye lights. They're help to uh, almost like humanize characters in a way. Mm-hmm. They help because your make, eyes are wet. Yeah, they make a pop, and yeah, <laughs> they it's that it's that extra. It's a, it's a neat little thing we do in mm-hmm. film. And uh, there was another thing too that's very heavily scrutinized and talked about in the final sequence is uh, we don't see Clark's breath. In the end, we see McCready's. We don't see Clark's. Child's. 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 Yeah, Child's. Clark's. Like Clark, yeah. Clark's. Clark's dead, yeah. Child's. We don't see Child's breath. That's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm definitely of the opinion, if we can just get to this point, mm-hmm. I'm definitely of the opinions that Child's is assimilated. Mm-hmm. McCready knows. I think whenever it cuts to black, I think McCready still knows what he has to do, and I think he probably tries mm-hmm. to do something. I mean, he just, if we're led to believe what we're led to believe, he just drank a mouthful of gasoline mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like and was unfazed I, by I it. don't see McCready not doing something if he knows mm-hmm. you know I don't see him just being like okay I guess we're gonna freeze and you're just gonna be in stasis because what we're led to believe from this projection is if a rescue team finds them mm-hmm. and the rescue team doesn't catch on to it before they get to the mainland yeah it's over humanity is done mm-hmm. it's the most pessimistic idea of so, this ending basically how you view it is like two endings it's uh child's is uh, assimilated and mccready knows because he was child's drank gasoline and it didn't phase him or he like drank something that had someone else's like biological material because if child's wasn't assimilated he would be like fuck no dude i'm not gonna yeah. drink after yeah. you you could yeah. be so he's, he's the thing yeah and if McCready is the ultimate assimilation and he's basically killing off the weaker versions of of these uh to gain the trust of the others to mm-hmm. to basically make sure that he's the sole survivor because everyone else is gone and so 
if McCready is left and he's still alive and he's like not, I mean, sorry, if McCready is left and he's not assimilated, he's going to kill himself. But if he is assimilated, he's going to make sure that he's the last one there. So that when the research team comes, he's like the perfect, he's in the perfect form. He'll just be frozen to a post yeah. and they'll peel him off of it, take him back. And then mm-hmm. as he thaws, probably someone doing an autopsy might get a little bit of blood on him. Or I think the... I think there's more accuracy in the idea of... Because we see McCready do the blood test, and mm-hmm. he's not assimilated. But he could have taken that blood from anyone. They, it he shows... Could have, he could have planned this But it, it does show them all actively bleeding. You're right. Yeah, right. it shows them all actively doing it. Uh, yeah. But then we do get the idea of the gasoline, which is a heavily talked about thing of like... When we get... The cinematographer stated that it was a technical issue why we don't see Childs's breath. But also, I mean, it's in the film, so it, it, it does lead to it, that idea of, is this uh, child's? Like, is this child's or is this child's thing? And I did bring up this point, too. There's two points that I think are very important to this film. One of them is, when is Blair assimilated? Because if we have Blair assimilated before he decides to sabotage the camp. Then he sabotages the entire camp to prevent the others to prevent the others from escaping and keeping everybody there. He collects the parts for the sh- for the ship, kills all the sled dogs, and he gets himself locked away. Like he acts crazy to make certain that they're going to lock me away. They're not going to kill me. They're going to lock. They're going to secret me away somewheres, and then I have time to then make a plan. And do all these things. Because, like I said before, there's multiple versions of this organism Mm -hmm. just kind of... Roaming. Roaming, trying Mm -hmm. to survive on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think there's a nature to this organism that it's not trying to save as many of itself as possible. As long as one, as long as one cell makes it, it Mm -hmm. can continue to propagate and survive. Fucking Norwegian. (laughs) And I think it's it's very interesting too because then if we do have the idea of Blair does freak out, excuse me, Blair does have this moment of like realization that breaks him, mm-hmm. and he goes about all this stuff, and then he's secreted away, and then whoever else is infected, whether it be Norris or Palmer, the Norris or Palmer thing, go find him, assimilate him, they sneak away, get him at the shack, mm-hmm. and then because they know. He's he's gonna be the the Blair thing's gonna be isolated and has the ability to then go about doing this. My thing with that is but though if, is we see him touch this mm-hmm. thing, yeah, and which will get organic lid. material yeah. on it, mm-hmm. even if it's m- micro. So that's like, why I'm wondering, like, how fast or how slow yeah. does this like does it differ with each organism on how well, fast yeah, well, or we, slow, or does or like does the amount of contact because with um. With Bennings being assimilated, he was mm-hmm. in direct contact and was, and mm-hmm. so it was almost immediate. Yeah. With um, with the dogs, it was they were in direct contact. It was mm-hmm. almost immediate. But it wasn't with with Bennings. Bennings, I think like Bennings is the more appropriate one because the dogs are immediately found out. Bennings takes a little bit, and by that point, he's already. But we do see the assimilation running away, mm-hmm. and it's almost there. Yeah. It just it, has the arms. The film away. just either purposefully, or just technique wise it does not show the passing of time mm-hmm. it because it's multiple days that are passing mm-hmm. and yeah. it does not show the amount of time what they're doing in between these mm-hmm. events 
that's what really fucks with it. Yeah. And there's one character who gets splashed with blood. I cannot for the life of mm-hmm. me remember who it is. But Fuchs even says, like, just the smallest mm-hmm. amount of contact yeah. is enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it's a smaller amount, it takes a longer time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that could be like, a possibility. Like with... Uh, and that's what would cause Blair to freak out because Blair. he was in direct yeah. contact with it. He touched it. Mm-hmm. So he's not only feeling the guilt of bringing it on... Mm-hmm. But, like, having the burden of the knowledge, like, it's like, mm-hmm. not only did we wake this shit back up or bring this shit to us, mm-hmm. not only did I come in complete contact with it and touched it, which I don't even know why the hell you would do that to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. you have, like, this it, giant thing just, and you just touch human. it here and then you yeah, just again, put, it it's, put it to your mouth. Valuable characters. Put it to your mouth. Very um, human. And so that, like, once he realizes, like, I have to go ahead and destroy mm-hmm. everything, just, you know... To isolate. And to mm-hmm. isolate. And then I have to destroy everyone here and then eventually I have to figure out a way to destroy myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that comes but down to it got him as well. That. that thing's come down to it as well of mm-hmm. and this Especially is an, when he says I'm better now. Yeah. Oh yeah. The news tying, I one hundred percent that he's because, already because like because if garner, um because sympathy. like maybe before like because his assimilation could have been slower, maybe before that he was prepping to try to end his life not knowing what was going on. Because just and hanging then, yourself isn't gonna do the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, I guess you know, Blair doesn't realize that at that moment. Blair's smarter than that. And, and so, I think it's more appropriate to say that the Blair thing is smart. I think by the time we see the noose being tied and all the other stuff, I don't think that that's Blair. I, I think it's Blair thing, but also how he asks, like, I'm better now, and it's not convincing at all. I think mm-hmm. it wants to remain in isolation because it knows it's safest there mm-hmm. away from McCready. And I think it wants to remain in isolation mm-hmm. so it can attempt to build the, the, the craft to at least get to the mainland mm-hmm. or at least to serve to outlive the others or maybe by that point it can be assimilate the others that it has out can assimilate but i think it's very important too and this is one of the major things that when i told shane about this he's like oh makes a lot of sense so to me the most frightening aspect of this film is the thing's intelligence because we understand that it's intelligent it's obviously an intelligent creature but most creatures on the planet are intelligent there's a difference though so it's one instead of assimilating everyone as soon as possible, it waits and strategizes. It destroys the blood, which is the best test they have. It thinks ahead, destroys the blood. It does not infect Clark, Gary, or Copper. All individuals who were either in prolonged contact or had like very important leadership roles that could be easily questioned. Because it under if we do it doesn't it doesn't it has yeah, valid got all three of them whenever it has, did the blood test it has valid opportunity and especially with Clark because he's the most he's around the most by far the most but it does infect him and the final thing is it recognizes McCready as the leader and the most dangerous member of the team to its own survival and so it goes around sabotaging and casting doubt upon McCready's humanity to then. <laughs> to then suggest that he's infected to mm-hmm. to cause that more that more further paranoia and distrust in the group of the most dangerous, competent and yeah. dangerous member of the team. So to me that states that this is a fully sapient creature. This oh, is at yeah. human level or further. Mm-hmm. Which is by far because if we just think about it of self preservation, 
that's a different thing. That's any animal, which is still horrifying in and of itself, that this is just an intelligent creature that is that is <laughs> insanely powerful and has the capability of propagating itself very easily. But instead, it's it's sapient. It understands. It can strategize. It can cast doubt. It understands social structure very quickly and emotion in a way, and it utilizes that to its advantage to further to further create this idea or to help itself make certain that it can get to the mainland and survive this situation. Fucking horrifying. Is humanity doomed? I think that's the big question. Mm-hmm. I think yes. I think there's probably enough biological material there. Mm-hmm. Leftover. It's only a matter of time. Because they didn't incinerate any of the bodies. Yeah. There was literally blood running by itself mm -hmm. as a living organism. It could just be in the crack in the floor. I think that's Mm -hmm. talked about is the. uh, I'm not sure if it's talking about this one or in the prequel in 2011, but it's uh, discussed it like you have to burn it to a point. Once it's burned to a point, it is no longer viable cells. Like, because it is a super cell organism, which is. Like it, 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 it's basis thing. It is just a cell. We're almost at two hours. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Trust me, that's okay. <laughs> uh, and we still got more, but it is this baseline cell. And but it is talk about if it is incinerated, which they mostly get, except for the fact the Norwegians didn't incinerate it enough from split face, and it was able to go back into hibernation from the ice. And it was once it was warmed up again. Uh oh. That's my Mm -hmm. thing is Mm -hmm. I think there's enough around that, you know, you fucking throw a dart at a dartboard Mm -hmm. and just imagine the dart is the rescue team and the Mm -hmm. dartboard, every section of it is one of these exposed Mm -hmm. bodies or one cell of this like organism. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to step in the wrong place. Somebody's going to be separated. Somebody's Mm going to touch the wrong thing or Mm -hmm. fucking touch a body they're doing an autopsy on mm-hmm. and then touch and their makes, fucking lips with it. it makes you wonder if, mm-hmm. there's, if there's others that are outside that are just kind of scattered yeah. about ha- How could this be the a, one huge, fucking ship? It's a huge continent mm-hmm. and there's like only, um, like we know for sure there's two different countries that have research teams out mm-hmm. there. So it makes you oh, wonder yeah. if there's others out there, the, you know, like how many, you know, how many people are stationed out there. The thing with Antarctica is, is there is in reality, I think most wealthy nations have research centers there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's 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 a heavy place of research and it's yeah. also where the fucking nazis are hiding yeah um <laughs> our I don't only really defense is robot hitler <laughs> um um is the yeah thing. there's there's definitely more research centers mm-hmm. out there but is that thing uh, no yeah. matter what a rescue team is coming mm-hmm. because if you don't hear from a research station in one of the most yeah. inhospitable places mm-hmm. in the world, they're sending help. And they also, will send help, especially if you're and American. It makes, and, it, and the fact that they've uh, they've been there for an established amount of time, um, or like not really established, but um, we know for sure that the radio hasn't worked for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's already like help a red could flag. be coming like, even sooner. Yeah. sooner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now. There's extended universe stuff through mm-hmm. comic books and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the comic books, which I think is hilarious, I want to get them and read them and so we can mm-hmm. do an update episode. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I know we have the we have like a whole uh there's we have the video game and we have the board game, so I would love mm-hmm. to do a live stream episode. Yeah. That would we, be fun. Like we could do like a Twitch streaming mm-hmm. um yeah. episode where we're playing the video game or we're playing the the board game, the outpost mm-hmm. game. And the comic books 
McCready survives. Mm-hmm. And even I think there's an alternate ending or maybe I I I got to read more on it. There's either an alternate ending where they sink the thing in a submarine and child sacrifices himself mm-hmm. and dives the submarine with mm-hmm. the thing to like take it to the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it just assimilates sea creatures, somehow gets out, assimilates sea creatures, and then the rescue team that comes to get MacReady mm-hmm. is attacked. Oh, shit. So, but MacReady gets off and he wakes up in fucking Argentina. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's just, there's this huge extended universe of the thing. Mm-hmm. And I would love to explore that in the future and return to this mm-hmm. with extended universe. I would. I mean, I would even go as far as say we could always do a prequel episode if we really wanted to yeah, do that. Which the prequel is a 2011. Is yes. it good? Uh, it's depend on. It depends on who you talk to. I feel like some people are very uh, much um, attached to the practical mm-hmm. effects of the first mm-hmm. film. I'll um, go ahead and say this about the prequel. Uh, it's the same thing done poorer. Which yeah. means it's still good. I've seen mm-hmm. scenes from but it, and it just seems like the same yeah, thing. Yeah, but it is. It, it is seems that. like a remake, and then after the fact, they were like, I looked well, at uh, I prequel. looked at the cast members, and the fact that the dog handler in the 2011 looks exactly like Clark, like just mm-hmm. in like his costuming and his beard, everything. That's already kind of like a turnoff to me. It's like, yeah. come on now. I mean, it is Get a built, more original. It is built not as a remake. It is built as a prequel because... Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sorry, wink, I keep wink. saying remake. Yeah, no. Well, yeah. it's it technically remake, but it is a prequel. It's because at the end, spoiler, we discover that the Norwegian, it's the Norwegian helicopter that's leaving in the final, then the finale of that film, which is a, is a Lars technically, who's the the shooter, mm-hmm. who is uh, or not Lars, one of their, the the pilot and the shooter are the people are the team that arrive to rescue the original Norwegian base. Mm-hmm. And looking at these sort of extended lore of uh, of the thing, the thing verse, <laughs> the, the of this this entire universe that's been created. Uh, there's actually a very interesting novel or short story that came out, which is uh, called "The Things" or "Things," which was in 2010, I think. But it w- it's written from the perspective of the creature, and it is very interesting. And I think it might even be a thing where we could maybe do a sort of we maybe come back to this idea of the thing, like with a because there's so much here, and it's all so good and mm-hmm. so terrifying, and also so eloquent. And I think that's another important thing that's that we we it kind of gets glossed over. And Kurt Russell even spoke about it because if you're up in a part of it, if you're the director or the major character in this scene, you get asked about it all the time. And Kurt Russell talks about it. He says the people are missing the point when they ask, "Is Childs assimilated?" It's that they have it's it's that is the point of it is to be asking that question because that paranoia is still ever present it's just gotten to the point where it's now it doesn't matter anymore because we're gonna die or you're gonna make it and so i think maybe even is that point of where mccready if he is revealed and he's laughing like well it's just me in it now yeah or or if we go back to that other idea, McCready laughing at mm-hmm. him taking a drink from a mm-hmm. bottle that has his biological mm-hmm. material, the thing won. If if that's thing yeah. McCready, well, I don't. The, I think it's it's a very um, nihilistic yeah. um, ending, mm-hmm. very bleak, and I think that's what. And I think that's interesting too because there's a more nihilistic ending to this film, but I think that Carpenter even talks about it. Carpenter stated that. 
like it is a pessimistic and nihilistic like ending for a film, but it really is like valiant. Like these last four people like mm-hmm. decide we're going to sacrifice ourselves for the greater good. Right. Like we're going to die, but it's not getting out of here. And that is fucking awesome. <laughs> like yeah. them deciding like, listen, we can't let this thing get out or the whole planet, not just humanity, the whole planet, any, any fauna on the planet is destroyed. I just think it's, it's gone. So interesting that they end it in a way that we don't, we just don't know. Like mm-hmm. after it goes black, McCready could have found a fucking way to kill Childs mm-hmm. or maybe Childs killed fucking McCready. Mm-hmm. Maybe they both recognized mm-hmm. that they had to kill themselves mm-hmm. or maybe they both freeze to death. And I think that's extremely important in that we still have that paranoia with the ending of the film where you think that the paranoia and the mistrust would be, it would be solved. It would come to a conclusion, especially after the, the greatest thing, the Blair thing is destroyed, Mm -hmm. but we don't get that, that satisfaction of it. Yeah. We don't. And that's highly important. And actually, so this is a very gory and horrifying movie that has quite a bit of cursing in it. Uh, but so when the TV rights were bought, Cable said, well, got to cut out all the gore. So that comes, which is like the, the, the whole point of the film, vastly important to the plot. What scenes did they cut out? Uh, they trimmed out a lot of the transformation scenes, which then brought them under time limit. It was too short. So they had to bring in the exposition. So there's a lot of deleted scenes, which pretty much talk about like the exposition of the film, the characters' backgrounds. It's a lot mm-hmm. of dialogue talking about the characters. Like, we get all the characters get exposed as to who they actually are. And one of the major things, which makes total sense when I told Shane about it in our little pre meeting, McCready's, you know, McCready's job before he was a helicopter pilot was a test pilot, which oh, is okay. known for being, uh, technically speaking, sociopathic individuals normally fall into, they fell people, into a career of test pilots. People who miss. Or have had something damaged in their brain chemistry or mm-hmm. the the physical matter of their brain that they lose the ability to feel fear, at least in the way that someone with mm-hmm. a normally functioning brain feels yeah. fear. Which a lot of people have varying degrees mm-hmm. of this. Some people have risk-taking behavior, which, mm-hmm. is, which is a common symptom of like uh, personality disorder. Yeah. Uh, there, there are people who are sociopaths who don't feel fear, but that's for a different reason. I yeah. think they just don't understand. Yeah, and uh, I think it's important too because when you look at it, it's feelings. like sociopathy, but it's like sociopathy, but that was that had like actual uh, nurturing, mm-hmm. which they still have a morality base, which mm-hmm. again is very stated in McCready, while very quick to like Shane said, competent violence, which oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a valid term too. This is exactly what this is. Because it is necessary, and it's 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 just matter of fact. It would give it would give the creature more of an incentive to isolate him, but also more of an incentive to assimilate him because that would be like the perfect form. They know they would be if they were to replicate McCready and have those characteristics. Well, I think it's even necessarily when it does have the characteristics, but the moment it's assimilated, it's pretty much in hiding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's in hiding in that fact, and so. Yeah, I mean, it, if it assimilates Creedy, you pretty much you've cut the head off the snake, because we've we've noticed that while Gary, Gary's probably the, the highest thinker on this, 
Though Knowles does show very high initiative when he does sort of mm-hmm. that, which it wanted to, where he sort of it, he's it's highly likely in that point where it's he's one of them, so he fucking bolts the fuck out of there. And fucking mm-hmm. nope, can't do it. Uh, smart on his part. Yeah, very smart. And then, uh, but again, that it, it's that building of the creature knows the thing knows that it can it can feed Use off the, the paranoia. paranoia. Yeah. Just like it knows that if it ties a noose where you can see it, you might feel sympathy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Whenever I use the term competent competent violence, Mm -hmm. it's a term I use a lot to as a term to describe technique. So, Mm -hmm. if you're saying competent violence, we're talking about like McCready, Mm -hmm. in that he just competently uses violence it's mm-hmm. not sloppy yeah. it's not disorganized whenever he shot clark he shot him in the head mm-hmm. and dropped him yeah which wouldn't have worked if he was a thing anyways yeah. now that i think about he eliminated it. the threat as efficiently I, as possible i think about uh john wick mm-hmm. competent violence it's mm-hmm. very surgical mm-hmm. uh there's there's a lot of other films that yeah. we can talk about in comp uncompetent violence can be stylized on its own but I think it's the more common way of doing it. So the professional way of using incompetent violence is the ending to spoiler alert, spoiler alert once upon a time in Hollywood mm-hmm. where you have uh, the bodyguard, bodyguard character who is supposed to be a competently violent person, mm-hmm. uh, chauffeur, bodyguard, whatever mm-hmm. he is. Um, he's on acid mm-hmm. and he just uses like whatever he has it's very chaotic it's mm-hmm. very disorganized it's very visceral yeah um, yeah, yeah no. which quentin tarantino incompetent violence mm-hmm. is like one of his it's like his one of his biggest uh, linchpins yeah yeah and i like that you mentioned tarantino because tarantino is a diehard uh carpenter fan and a lot of his films are um influenced by john carpenter oh the yeah themes he's, that carpenter films he's have. a carpenter, pro at stealing yeah. Mm-hmm. He, that is true. And Carpenter is one of those. He is a tentpole filmmaker, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, there was like a really good article that kind of discussed like what what cements John Carpenter as like an icon mm-hmm. or um, uh, especially for like cult films and cult cinema. And that's because he came out during the time of the Martin Scorsese's, the Francis Ford Coppola's, mm-hmm. this kind of like highbrow film student yeah. area era in the 70s. And Carpenter had written a couple of films, like just as a screenwriter, mm-hmm. and they were completely bastardized. Mm-hmm. And there was one project, um, The Eyes of uh, of Julia, um, oh, I want to say Julia Mars or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, this was like this was like one of like his first uh, screenplays that were adapted to film. And the studio took his script, something that he actually put his heart and soul mm-hmm. into. And just ripped it apart and made it into something that it, it wasn't mm-hmm. and didn't cast the right people that he wanted. It's um it's not a bad film, mm-hmm. but you can definitely It's not his work. It's not yeah. his work. It's definitely like his story. And if you go and you look into like the original screenplay and what it was about, it would have been ten times better. Mm-hmm. And after that, he never really wanted to work with like a big studio. He mm-hmm. he felt very betrayed that his um his work was it was bastardized. Mm-hmm. And so uh, then we get into him doing Halloween mm-hmm. and how it was low budget and how he had complete creative control. And in Halloween, you see Mike Myers, but you don't see Mike Myers yeah. because you don't want to see the boogeyman mm-hmm. because it creates more of like a, an atmosphere of fear. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the thing, he does a total like opposite of that. Mm-hmm. 
and you see it. Like you mm-hmm. see it. It is in your face. There's Whether no, you know it or not, yeah. you, you see, see it. it. Mm-hmm. And it's you can't hide from it. You can't run from this. And also I think it's important too because in going with Carpenter, Carpenter, his idea of uh, like almost having very violent and visceral films but also uh, – and violent actions in his films but also like I said, we technically speaking, we miss out on – three assimilations mm-hmm. we see the dog assimilation we see bennings we see the norris reaction we see palmer freak out but these are technically not the actions of assimilation we mm-hmm. see bennings being assimilated and we see uh uh, uh whoever i said <laughs> lost mm-hmm. thought. it's heavily applied that norris was assimilated by the dog though. yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, it is heavily implied but again we but were they weren't ready to show yeah, we don't see tendrils. because again the the paranoia mm-hmm. it still mm-hmm. attaches that and it's oh it's and, such, and whenever actually, you do mm-hmm. see the assimilations it is it makes sure it makes a big impact but even though there's only three that we see mm-hmm. um or like you know like a handful that we see you it's enough them. yeah it's <laughs> enough so where you don't yeah yeah. And, yeah another thing with carpenter too is carpenter in dealing with this film and dealing with halloween assault on precinct 13 we have isolated and claustrophobic subjects Mm-hmm. or characters in these isolated claustrophobic feelings even in like halloween it's it's almost like the aura of it prince of darkness yeah. has the same has the same concept you know it's researchers mm-hmm. yet again in yeah. fact um so the thing uh, prince of darkness and event horizon is a part of john carpenter's apocalypse trilogy mm-hmm. so while it's not like a direct sequel in that film trilogy it is considered mm-hmm. like uh prince of darkness would be considered a sequel because it also has to do with a team of researchers trapped mm-hmm. in an abandoned church in the middle of this apocalyptic scenario mm-hmm. where they um, find the this this evil entity, this infectious evil that slowly uh, inhabits each person, and that's another big thing with uh, with this trilogy because Event Horizon deals with the same. Uh, I'm sorry, Into the Mouth of Madness. Not yeah, Event but Horizon. Event Horizon. Is, I'm like, uh... that's not it's not Carpenter. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, it both they both have Samuel, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but um, with um, with Into the Mouth of Madness, which is another like homage to like Lovecraftian mm-hmm. and uh, Stephen King, yeah. um, and. So it, it kind of has that same like infectious evil and um, like your lone like pr- mm-hmm. protagonist. So they all kind of mesh together, but they all deal with uh, themes of, of that claustrophobia yeah. and that paranoia and the taking mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. each other. Um, yeah. And that and the existential panic that yeah. is prevalent in his films. No, the the actually pure cosmic horror, the one it's the unknowable. And then also the fact of like the unknowable really doesn't like care about you. Mm-hmm. Like it's simply just it's if it wasn't humans, it was something else. Like it treats mm-hmm. humans the same as it treats the dogs. And, you know, it's a vessel. You know, I'm really glad that they took and adapted these ideas of cosmic horror and the unknowable evil because Lovecraft mm-hmm. writes like shit. It is yeah. the most boring so shit I've ever read. And he was just also fucking annoying that he was just terrified of everything, a yeah. racist, mm-hmm. a classist, just just yeah. an awful, awful human individual. being. Yeah, xenophobic. And he was afraid of smooth edges, I guess. Yeah. Like... Uh, hair conditioning. <laughs> non-Euclidean he also architecture. Some, I think, didn't he have like, some weird relationship yeah. with his mother? 
Yeah, probably. Uh, they all do. It's, it's riders. Yeah, it's Rhode Island. Rich Rhode Island white people. Uh, <laughs> no, he, the, the colors. Ah! Yeah, he's Lovecraft's a fucking loser, but he had interesting ideas mm-hmm. that have been ideas. adapted very, very well by a lot of different writers mm-hmm. and artists mm-hmm. and creatives. Yeah, I, going back to <laughs> speaking of adapting it, it's one thing I do want to touch on because it's so funny to me. Because for some reason, they decided to change the ending for the original cable release. Mm-hmm. It's where we see one of the sled dogs escaping the camp, heavily implying that McC- that all these people have been sacrificed. They finally think they kill it, but the last shot of the film is it getting away, right? Which is literally we have that that slight hint getting away, but I I doubt a dog is going to survive. A winter storm. It doesn't have in, to, though. Yeah, I know. It can just, yeah, know, it can just be in stasis. Yeah. But if I'm a rescue team, I'm sorry if this is mm-hmm. uncompassionate or whatever version of that word is mm-hmm. the correct one. If I'm a rescue team and I just see a dead, frozen dog, I'm leaving mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Why mm-hmm. am I going to waste my energy whenever you're in a desolate place where yeah. every every ounce of what you carry mm-hmm. in and out it matters. It mm-hmm. matters. I'm leaving the dead yeah. dog. I do love that though, because even if it doesn't necessarily like mean it will, it's that thought of, hey, uh, let's the cable thing. Yeah, let's end it on there. They didn't matter, and it's like motherfucker. It's yeah. like it's just pure. It is. I think it's funny because it is like because we, we think about like the TV cuts, which we don't really think about as much anymore. Like we don't think about like yeah, cable we don't, cuts. We don't see TV. We don't cuts get anymore. theatrical. Like we we don't. There's like when but, you see like theatrical, least TV edit. It doesn't really happen. And the only thing I have to say about that is that whenever Blair is freaking out, he goes, "I knew I should have thought of." You know, he's like, "I knew." You know, why didn't I think of it sooner? Like, there's no way a dog can travel thousands of miles like that yeah. on its own mm-hmm. in this condition. So, the you know. Who's and Blair's to say, not stupid. Who, yeah, who, yeah. yeah, who's to say that that dog doesn't find another research facility? Also, yeah. we never get a count on how many dogs he killed. Yeah, yeah we, we don't. could have assimilated mm-hmm. one and set it loose mm-hmm. just as like a, yeah. oh my God, what if him saying that is him realizing sitting there like, oh, I assimilated that fucking dog. It's not even going to mm-hmm. make it. Yeah, I like. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different. Yeah. And again, it's, again yeah. this film is if, so Almost effective. like admitting yeah, it's so effective oh, at, man. at utilizing the, the it's it's thematic core of paranoia and mistrust, mm-hmm. and which again are basic. The basis of human society is built on trust and like group, and it just tears it apart, and it does it so well. I do have something I just realized. So. Whenever the blood bags are destroyed and they're just like leaking all over mm-hmm. the floor, I always wondered like. Why the fuck did they burn the blood bags? But now I'm mm-hmm. realizing like they burned it because even if it could like attach to one mm-hmm. single like cell of our blood, yeah. it could replicate that person. There was a lot of fucking blood, mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, like blood's hard to clean. Not that I would know from experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I blanked out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're having flashbacks. It's okay. I promise it was because I was a fireman. And I've seen blood, and it is hard to clean. I do not murder people. Mm-hmm. I just know I it's hard to clean blood swear. because I murder people. <laughs> Scouts honor. I don't kill people. You didn't even do the salute. I, I, was, I left in two weeks because all we did was play jacks and marbles. It fucking sucked. I learned how to make an oven out of cardboard. That was the extent of my Girl Scout knowledge. Start a fire. Um, 
I can <laughs> I can turn ten cans but into like, a stove if I need to. It's it's just this idea of there are so many opportunities for assimilation that we can just we can comb over this thing and probably find a hundred instances mm-hmm. where someone could be assimilated yeah. because truly someone destroyed those bags and only two people have the keys mm-hmm. and it never gives you a solid conclusion. We don't know if it was Norris or Palmer who did it. We don't know. It's insinuated or if it Norris. was Blair. I mean, yeah. it's more than likely Norris, but mm-hmm. you know what? Yeah, I forgot it was Norris was the other one with the key. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Wait, it was the doctor. The key was the, yeah. the key was between Gary mm-hmm. and the doctor with yeah. the uh, defibrillators. Yeah, copper, copper. Someone yeah. had the key. Copper uh, wasn't assimilated. Yeah. He died because Cop- he got his fucking arms yeah. ripped off. Someone, it's it's heavily insinuated. Someone lifted the key. Yeah, like just that key and did it and returned it because everybody else is also freaking out and no one's what thinking if, about that. What if I am in a way correct? What if Windows lifted the key, mm-hmm. destroyed the blood? Because he thought, maybe I'm assimilated. Maybe he had maybe. paranoia. He thought, if I'm assimilated, they're going to burn me to death. What mm-hmm. if I don't even know if I'm assimilated? We do I better go ahead. Nulls. I better mm-hmm. go ahead and fucking destroy the mm-hmm. blood so that none of us can find out. Yeah, because we do see that with Nalls. I can see that. It's like a, pan, like a response, yeah. Of him. Because I can't get over this close-up on him, mm-hmm. key-dropping sound. Mm-hmm. Like that, nothing like that happens by accident Mm -hmm. the first thing that i ever learned getting into film and then later becoming a filmmaker myself Mm -hmm. is everything you see on camera Mm -hmm. every single detail Mm -hmm. is there for a reason except Mm -hmm. for the starbucks cup and game of thrones yeah yeah with uh with that being said is there anything because we are at the the two hour mark um Mm -hmm. is there anything else we want to elaborate on before we wrap up god i could go on forever i feel like we could go on forever and i i don't have um i don't i really don't mind uh, about doing an episode on the extended lore of the thing because there's going to be a couple of films i'll order that we get into that have like um you know, media or like mm-hmm. we have like, you know, like an extended storyline outside of the films. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we can kind of, you know, because it, it have is those, have those interesting in it being it mm-hmm. is a franchise. But technically speaking, the films aren't connected in the franchise. Mm-hmm. They do no. tie together. But like and we don't really know if the comic books would be considered canon anyways. Didn't yeah. the writer write it fucking forever ago? Yeah, and like it's probably dead. Very interesting, though. But like, it's, 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's such a vast universe. It's the comic assimilated books into really pop cool. culture. Yeah. It's, assimil- it's, it's completely assimilated into pop culture, and it's taking on a life of its own with mm-hmm. different creators. Yeah. And so, which at the heart of... Um, at the heart of like you know the original story like i feel like that just kind of like further like gives it gives the original material the justice it deserves because when carpenter first saw the the movie he said it was good but when he read like the book he's like oh i can do this way better and i can make it more so it's um i'm definitely going to be reading the book after this oh also have th- there's another... also like frozen hell which is mm-hmm. like an extended version of the original short story mm-hmm. that was found as a manuscript mm-hmm. And it was. Um, I'm always later. weird about reading manuscripts because if it's they wanted the final, it published, yeah. Yeah. if they wanted it published, it would have been published. Mm-hmm. Well, they published it. It's like, but like he like, was already uh, dead. Yeah, exactly. But they, but they published it as Frozen Hell. And yeah, once you're dead, I feel like your work shouldn't be published. That's like fair. call, uh, go call the Watchmen or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the, yeah, I know. The Flowers in the, the Attic the series. Harper. That's mm-hmm. always fun. Yeah. The uh, 
Because they're still writing. The continuation of To Kill a Mockingbird. And Atticus goes from being this, like, tentpole, like, moral character that you can look up to to being just a virulent racist. Yeah. Like, obviously, it was never released. The author decided that was not the Mm -hmm. direction the story was going Mm -hmm. and dropped it. Commodifying it by extending it because you know it will sell is so stupid because it yeah. loses the purpose. But of I don't this think that's the, I don't think that's the, the purpose the of uh, of this um, of this uh, continuation. continuation. Oh, it definitely is. Comic books want to sell and make money too. Of course it is. It's just cool. Like of oh, course no. they're going to commodify something that's popular. I I slightly disagree just because of the cult following and you know fans like um, you know fans that have like really like kind of because. The whole reason why people are even interested and have like uh, this whole thing has been continued is because some little boy like in the 50s and like 60s like saw this movie and it made such an impact on him that whenever he got into high school and he wanted to be a writer and he wanted to make movies, he reread the book and saw that the book was so good and so looked over and wasn't done justice that he decided to do it justice as a film. And now that we have like more of a continuation, we have other people who want to kind of take that mantle of really kind of making, uh, cause I've already, I've read, I think I read like the first couple of pages of the story. It is so well written. I see your point. And so like, it's, you know, there's still like some love there. Like that's why we like, that's why we love cult films. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, there's cash grabs. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's some series, <laughs> Star Wars. That are just beating a dead horse, mm, but they're still, yeah, bullshit. It's not controversial. <laughs> like that's Wars. just beating a you know a dead horse, or just like you know just mm-hmm. you know taking like the original material and just recopying it, recopying it, recopying it till it's completely separate. Which was almost artistic to keep recopying it the yeah. first couple of times mm-hmm. it happened, but now it's uh... yeah. And so um, you know, and that's and that's why we like these films, and that's mm-hmm. why we want to you know discuss them, but. You know, while I do agree that there it, there does come a time where it's like, all right, we need it. We just need to put it. We need to close the chapter on mm-hmm. this. The fact that like you know, fans are now making, you know, the movies that they want to make with the material. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. like you said, like there's a whole um, short story that came out based off of yeah. the thing's perspective. Mm-hmm. That's fan fiction, baby. Yeah. And That's I, uh <laughs> I think it's important too to recognize that I don't think what Shane was saying There's was... 100% porn. I refuse. <laughs> I if hope. they someone made a Pengu version of the thing. It's very good by the way. The Pengu version yeah, of the it's thing, fantastic. 100%. Like that's what I watched as like a summary before. Wes Anderson to... eat your fucking heart out. That's how you do stop motion. Yeah. But no, I think what right. Shane was referring right. <laughs> to is more so like the aspect of the the original longer manuscript being mm-hmm. published and not necessarily like comic con- continuation mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. But I that is a very valid point. It is a thing of like a creative all stories have been told mm-hmm. at some point. Unless we're like, all variations like, we, of like, stories. Unless like you know, like the author like did want that manuscript. I've yeah. given and Tyler in his life. express permission that mm-hmm. if I die before I finish the the series of work that I'm working mm-hmm. on, Tyler has f- full like permission to take it and do what he wants. Mm-hmm. If he fucks it up, though, I have hired assassins on payroll. <laughs> on payroll. Don't worry, I'm starting for them. <laughs> starting three months ago. <laughs> but I do think it is important to uh... also. This is something That's we a joke ha- for legal we haven't reasons. spoken about this yet at all, and I think it's baffling. This movie was critically panned on release. Yeah. I was told it was what? awful. That's yeah. because... Was it schlock? Yep. That's, Wasn't good. That's because moviegoers, I'm sorry, this might come as a surprise to you guys, are fucking stupid. 
was the critics, Jane. It was the, it's always the critics oh, because well, critics guess what? Stupid too. People in the what's known as the 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 film snob or like the the bratty like film student circle, like Coppola and all of them, they were so well established that when that Carpenter Carpenter has always gone against critics. He's always gone against Hollywood. He's always they, been fucking broke. Can we cut he's out my fucking... insult of moviegoers and just leave in the one of critics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because no one cares. No. I don't want to get stoned to death. Because um, nah, fuck them. Because <laughs> oh, we Car- already talked Carpenter shit on Star is like Wars. okay, so like think of it this way. Coppola and Scorsese, those those are your film grads, right? Those are your highbrow film grads. Carpenter's the fucking dropout. <laughs> he he has never gotten the recognition that he's deserved from critics whenever he releases, like he first like releases a film, and it's not appreciated until after his work has been released by the fans. And so that's another big thing, like in the article that I read, is that a lot of people... Don't a lot of people in Hollywood don't care for Carpenter because yeah. Carpenter does what Carpenter wants to do mm-hmm. and like he that. wants it done effectively and he knows he knows who his audience is and he writes for his audience. Mm-hmm. That's fair. There's a reason why the blue collar person is always the hero. Yeah. In his films. Mm-hmm. It's always like an underdog kind of kind of character. It's mm-hmm. always the cowboy character. Not a wise guy. And so going back into like how this became a cult film, being critically panned, it was the I think it was like the eighth most wa- most watched horror movie of the year, which is insane when you think mm-hmm. about it. And then after it gets a home video release, and then people start liking it. it when things get reevaluated, this happens a lot. Things get reevaluated, and now it's considered one of the pinnacle films of science fiction and horror. And when you take a movie that was critically panned, you're like ah. It's a one-star movie. It's a two-star movie. It's okay, or it's not good. It's boring. It's not. It's not. It doesn't have it. So then, when it gets reevaluated later on the line, and this is the one of the preeminent horror films. When I you think don't of, know how you science watch fiction this and, and think boring. Well, you have to understand, like at this time, and this goes back into, and one of the things I love about all the films that we've done so far is that we have like we all have like an, an, a, lo- a love and appreciation mm-hmm. for practical effects. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time. Practical effects were so common in horror films that they were almost like looked down on, especially if they were very grotesque and and gory and nasty. And critics at the time thought that audiences would not be interested in that because they wanted something clean. They wanted something a little bit lighthearted. And so you have science fiction, which has always kind of been looked over. Yeah. And then you have the element of horror. Horror has never Mm -hmm. been taken seriously. And then you have these gross, slimy monsters mm-hmm. that are just repulsive and disgusting. And you uh, also have like lots of cussing in the film. So you can't show it on TV because TV yeah. was still kind of relatively big at that point. Like, you know, like this was made in the 80s. And that was like, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's, that's the golden age of television, but that's like one of like, like TV was like a very big thing. TV movies, um, TV shows. So mm-hmm. like because it was deemed not marketable. I could see, or it could be, could have been deemed uh, unmarketable. I could see mm-hmm. where critics would pass it over because it's like, oh, well, we can't sell this. We can't make money off of this. And that's because they were out of touch with, with their mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, critics don't really care. Most critics don't really care what the audience has to think about the film. They just want to see if it's profitable and marketable to, to um, yeah. The bourgeoisie of the film, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, no, the academy. 
<laughs> it, and all this other stuff. It's about making a profit. What will fill theaters? Mm-hmm. Um, what will fill reward show, which will like guide later watches mm-hmm. of something, especially during this time whenever home, not home, home release yeah. was around, but rentals and VCRs and Betamax machines, yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. home laser disc yeah. had become more common. So it you was know, starting to become more common. Like the yeah. later release could could mm-hmm. do better. So you want to push it into the reward shows. I was going to ask real quick, uh, what released around the same time as this? Can someone uh, Poltergeist that? was in the same year. Uh, and that's more family oriented. And it's still uh, uh, 1982 movies. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it more family oriented. It's uh, just... Verdict, Creep Show, Blade well, Runner. It's PG. Another example: Blade PC. Runner. Another movie that was that movie, critically panned. That just looks like a yeah a hard year. Yeah. These these are all great cult films. But by again, the way, you have Creep Show, yeah. you have Basket Case, Beastmaster. Fast times. Again, another seems... movie that is considered preeminent for science fiction but was critically panned is Blade Runner. That was what I was thinking oh. of. Oh, it's on We're going to get to Blade oh, Runner. Oh, it's 100% on the list. Same with... Expect uh, me to talk for three hours. Yeah, Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. that's another one. Cat People. Like, all this... Oh, Konostagi is mm-hmm. one. First Blood. Oh, First Blood could have been Gandhi. Yeah, I could see where that sucks. Is that... What is that right there? <laughs> Which one? I can't this see. This one? Yeah. Oh. Nah, mm-hmm. that one. King mm-hmm. Comedy. King of Comedy, Halloween oh, it, 3. No, Summer, no. <laughs> I love, I will no. die on oh that. But yeah, again, it, 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 I think it's even perfect where a, a movie like Blade Runner, which is now considered a preeminent classic, if you, you would think of two sci-fi movies that would be like, go watch this. I would tell somebody, Blade Runner and The Thing, released the same year, both critically annihilated, but under a revisit. That's just sci-fi, Later baby. is, yeah, it's... These are these it's are never appreciated. Yeah, these are the preeminent movies of mm-hmm. not only of just like sci-fi or horror of these are classic filmmaking. Philip films. K. Dick died scraping by, mm-hmm. and he never got like literally not too long before Blade Runner released, which I, I guess maybe would have helped him a little bit. But yeah, like you said, it but was it wasn't like a panned. successful movie. Yeah, it was panned. Yeah, like he didn't get to live to see his work be appreciated be appreciated and a lot of these sci-fi writers didn't get to live to be mm-hmm. to see their work appreciated yeah. and we probably see this now when's the last time like do they even make sci-fi like not like uh magazines anymore like how do so. you consume contemporary sci-fi it does it exist purchasing novels i would think but even then, when's yeah. the last time you walked by like contemporary novel mm-hmm. shelf and actually looked? I've never looked. I haven't at them. been to a bookstore yeah. in I don't, forever, mm-hmm. and I haven't had a comic. I haven't bought a comic book in a hot mm-hmm. minute. I've been buying lots of manga, and you, uh, since anime's kind of starting picking off more and more and becoming more mainstream, there's an amazing manga writer that specializes in cosmic horror and body horror and a lot of the elements from this movie and a lot of. Um, with stuff that we talked about called Junji Ito. Yeah. I highly recommend you mm-hmm. get into his work. I've never been disappointed. Uh, same with reading the Ring books, like the original Japanese novels. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Um, so that's, I mean, Japanese, it's really kind of getting into more yeah. Japanese. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying that there's probably science fiction, science fiction gems out there. That we don't know like, about. Yeah. That we're not going to know about until 20, 30 years from now. God knows it wasn't Ready Player One. <laughs> oh, God. No. 
face or, the wall. Yeah. yeah. That awful. I don't know why they wrote a sequel other than maybe I mean, Spielberg Hunger trying Games, to make some Hunger more money. Games could technically be considered uh, science fiction, but the movies ruined those uh, books. I don't, I don't know if it's science fiction as much science as science like fiction. political. Like it's, I would consider that more so. This is, a, this, is a, we, this is actually a really good. We can actually yeah. have like a debate show one day. This would be really interesting. That would be fun. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think sci-fi. It's, it is one of those like you said, science fiction as a whole. It's always been sort of like. I don't At know. Least. I take it back. They do have some like sci-fi s technology. Yeah, true. We just see it but through I the lens of like working class people. But yeah, no, they also I, complete like they can create. They create like um, they basically create whole like the whole dome that they're in. They hmm. create like their own realities, and then they also do animal splicing and animal hybrids and and. But they were doing that in the Colosseum in Rome. Whenever they would flood yeah. it to have ship battles, mm-hmm. I mean we've manipulated our like environments mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. those fall into more so they're yeah. an overarching idea. Like they're not classified as science fiction to be classified mm-hmm. more as like young adult, young adult yeah. which is very different novels, which but, are um, are very vast. Oh yeah, my very gosh, vast. What you can there was one it. young adult novel series that was great sci-fi mm-hmm. for like the first two books, and then the rest of them was just like divergent. No, because um, those max, were awful. Ma- uh, maximum ride. Ah, uh, everybody read those, it, but it, I was never interested. Yeah, it, it wasn't bad. Like it kind of should just have an episode ripping on young adult novels. I'm down. Oh yeah, we could we can make that a Twitch stream starting with Harry Potter. I don't want to go there. I've read, <laughs> I've read like five chapters. I've read. I never read it. We read weren't allowed to. I've seen. So a little story about me for the audience is whenever I was a kid and I was first diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. They thought I couldn't read. I was, like, reading in, like, second or third grade. Um, I remember they took me around to all the classes, the fifth grader classes, and had me read a Spider-Man comic because I could read the word responsibility. I can't even read that word anymore. Um, But I was in a remedial reading class, and we were going to read Harry Potter, and just someone's parents were, like, super Christian and raised a big fuss about it, and we couldn't read Harry Potter. Thank God. I've never been more appreciative of, like, religious fundamentalists. I literally hid, because I had, whenever I transferred from Lumberton to St. Anthony's, I had a hard time reading, and they didn't understand why, and it's probably because I had, I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until Mm -hmm. I was 22, but they're like, oh, so we're, you need to have AR points, because AR points are, like, a, a, you know, like they're they'll make or break your grade. So they would have me sit in silent lunch and read. They would have me sit inside during recess and read and keep reading until I learned how to read better. Well, that fucked up my social development mm-hmm. for AR. And so, read you little fucking weirdo. Read and it. so I would always kind of be like, whenever I started going out to the playground and released amongst all these children, I would just hide out and read. And then it got to the point where, um, Due to being an outcast, I would just go hide in our library and just read books and eat lunch because that's where I felt the most comfortable. Have, and then I worked in the library. I have a similar experience um, where I would hide so I out. Just hid from I would hide out in classrooms during recess and read books. I would even hide during lunch and read books. And they let me do it for a while, but eventually they took my books away and forced me outside. But uh, I, I did I did sort of the same thing. And the AR tests eventually they caught on that I wasn't doing them ever. AR like was, I didn't do was my homework. Pointless. We even had we had parents uh, start like a little coalition against AR because they realized like you're not even teaching our kids to read. You're just forcing them mm-hmm. to stare at a book and read better, and um, it's you're not helping them with anything. You're like, gonna love this summer. And uh, eventually, like another thing that they did 
was they threw out all my art supplies because I was drawing on I was doing all my homework and taking my notes but I was drawing because I would get distracted Mm -hmm. and like space out but if I drew I would stay focused and they decided to throw out all my art supplies and then I wasn't allowed to read I had to socialize like it was just stupid they did uh... everything wrong but shout out to Miss Enderly and Miss Andrews and Mr. Baldwin because they were the only people that cared. So they finally, you know, made me take the AR test. They, like, made me. They were like, you're going to be, like, in trouble if you don't start doing this. I never did my homework. Long story short, got held back in seventh grade. Um, <laughs> Just kind of a shit student. Anyways, I have, not to pat my own back, but to pat my own back, I have really good skills at picking up on context mm-hmm. and, like, comprehending stuff. Usually whenever I watch TV shows with Tara or uh, Tyler or mm-hmm. something, sorry, Tara, I can usually predict the the arc of every episode or the arc of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe I'm socially maladjusted, but I'll just say what I think is going to happen and then it'll happen. I think this is because I didn't want to actually read any of the books that had the high AR points. Mm-hmm. So I would just sit down and just take the test mm-hmm. and just fucking game the system by using my reading comprehension and yep, i would you... make the questions give me the answer yeah context context clues are key and if you're good at vocabulary you can figure out like the story just from somewhere like, the prefix of like the word on a database that no one cares about or hasn't looked at in a decade is a 100 score on every Harry Potter book, and I swear to God, I've never opened a page of those Those books. were so easy to cheat on because you could just go watch the movie and then take... The you could go watch the movies and then take the AR test and only miss two, like one or two questions. It I, was so easy to cheat. And then it got to be where... Um, after like a couple of students caught on that you could just watch the books of like the movie. <laughs> watch the books. I'm sorry, watch the books. Watch the movies. Reading Ain't nothing happening. <laughs> they watch... both the movie or something. <laughs> hey, who played? Nolf? Watch, uh, watch the movies. No idea. Um, like watch, watch the movies of the books. You can gain the system that way. And so we were banned from taking uh, AR test on any book that had a film with it. Which we we already fucking won. But um, yeah, uh, American education system. Not the best. Oh, a fun thing I think about. I think this is hilarious because I realized it in the opening credits. Uh, you know who plays Blair? It's Wilfred Brimley. Get diabetes. Diabetes. No. That's Blair. What? What? Di- no, you're lying. Diabetes. Pull it up. It's right here, no, Wilfred no, Brimley. I, 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 Jamie, pull that I shit gotta up. I got to see who played Nalls. Jamie, pull that shit up. T.K. Carter. He looks familiar. Okay, that's Wilford Brimley, Dr. Blair. I looked up the thing, and for some reason it gave me a bunch of reading rainbow shit, so I thought maybe... <laughs> it's no, not LeVar Burton. Maybe no, LeVar Burton was no. in here somewhere. Because mm-hmm. I don't even... I, I can't even... Recognize. Honestly, I can't remember what LeVar Burton looks like. I'm sorry. I watched it in, like, third grade and never saw it again. Mm-hmm. You know, Wilford Wasn't uh, Donald Please Muffet cut this part. I sound him. racist as fuck. Wasn't uh, Donald uh, Muffet or the guy who plays Gary? Wasn't he in the Green he Mile like the or the Shawshank like Redemption? Player and present danger, Popeye, the right stuff. He played LBJ. I, I, I swear, I thought I saw him in. Um... He just kind of looks very similar to people. Yeah. Also, fun fact: he's a uh, English actor, and in one of his yelling scenes, it comes the through. The Born Identity. Sorry. Dun, dun. 
But yeah, no, he, his his English accent starts coming through in one of the scenes, and it's really funny. You know, I didn't know it was Keith it. David until he talked. Funny. Please cut that part. Is that also <laughs> awful that I didn't know that? What, what Keith, else was Keith? I don't know what, what Keith David Keith, looked like. What else was Keith David in? Uh, they live. He's a big carpenter. He's another big carpenter that's guy. That's right. That's right. They I live. I uh, live. The thing. Armageddon. I, Armageddon yep. He's in a bunch of shit. He's I so just good. know his voice. I just yeah. know his voice. He's a very distinctive voice. All right. Well, I think um, I think that kind of about wraps it up. Is there any closing statements that we want to make about the film? Watch it. Get ready to shit your pants and appreciate the majesty that is this f- piece of this filmmaking endeavor. Incredible. I think I'm going to watch it again when I go home. I-, I loved it. I want everyone I know that hasn't seen it to see it. I'm so glad that I was forced like an assignment to watch this movie mm-hmm. for this because otherwise... I don't think I would have gotten to it. I uh, I'm I'm very happy that uh, we were able to do this. I'm glad that Tyler had this as his choice for the week. Um, I'm a diehard Carpenter fan through and through. I definitely will look more into the thing lore. You can find this on Amazon Prime. You can find this pretty much just about anywhere. We're uh you know if the video store is up and running, it, it is at the video store. Um, if you love if you love uh, hidden gems, if you love cult horror, if you love anything with a compelling story, please watch this, and please go and look at the rest of John Carpenter's filmography. You will not be disappointed. Um, I want to say thank you to uh, everyone that kind of showed up today, um, and thank you for being a part of this. Uh, thank you to the listeners. Like, subscribe, go ahead and put some money in our Patreon, pay our bills. Um. Yeah, so uh, thank you, and I hope you all have a pleasant evening. Before you hit that button, I need you to go into your house right now. Whoever's there, I need you to take a sample of their blood. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. You should be paranoid. Check your closets. Check your windows. There might be little boys in there. That's not this episode, (laughs) Summer. Anyone you know could be the thing. I'm not, this isn't an endorsement of violence or crime or you see somebody acting funny set them on fire with a point thrower for legal purposes that's a joke we'll see Do you it. in another episode goodbye goodbye goodbye, goodbye.